not happen for an age. What's that? Tis a gathering. Hello and welcome to Entmoot, the Battle Games in Middle-Earth podcast all about the Middle-Earth strategy battle game from Games Workshop. I'm Harry and this is episode 80 of the podcast and welcome along for what's going to be an interesting ride, it's fair to say. Uh, you may know a little bit more about this tournament uh, if you w- watch my Battle Games in Middle-Earth YouTube channel. Uh, it should. The video I, I've just made about this tournament has just gone live if you're uh, listening to this um, on sort of the week of, uh, of release. Uh, so uh, do go check that out. It's on uh, on Battle Games in Middle-Earth. Do Google it. Um, because... <laughs> it's an interesting one. There's a lot of antics that happen. I'll may- maybe mention more about that uh, later on in the podcast. But suffice to say, uh, I went camping uh, during this tournament and uh, stayed overnight in a tent in the woods. And I wasn't the only one heading into the woods for a little bit of uh, nocturnal activities. Um, I was just, you know, setting up a tent and putting a fire up and uh, having a-, a couple of drinks. The other people turning up in their cars with their bright lights. Let's put it this way. They weren't just after a uh, camping trip. Yeah. Anyway, uh, let's move on. Uh, if you want to watch, uh, uh, hear more about that, uh, do head to my YouTube channel. But for now, this is going to be normal uh, sort of service resuming because we've got a big po- uh, tournament. This is the Battle of Unnumbered Tears. We've been there before. Uh, I think it's a... Uh, it's one of those ones that I come back to every single year. I think for the last, oh, it must be three, four years at least, uh, barring a couple of COVID ones, of course. Um, but uh, maybe even longer. Have I been coming here that much longer? I don't know. Uh, either way, it's certainly um, one of the, in fact, it's probably one of the first or the oldest that I've been to. Anyway, I'm rambling. Um, I'm very excited for it because it's one of the few that I get to go to which is of a very, very high points limit. Um Throne of Skulls uh, Games Workshops Warhammer World is another one that is a thousand points and uh, I just, I've just been really slow in getting tickets for um, Throne of Skulls this year and uh, recently so that's been a bit, a bit of a shame the last couple of years because uh, I, I used to go, I won it once I've been uh, a few times since then uh, really always really enjoyed it um, not just because of the uh, the sort of antics and um, sort of frivolity of that tournament but because of its uh, high points limit you just get to have a lot of stuff you get to bring a lot of big heroes a lot of you know uh, fun stuff so that's one of the reasons I love that one uh, and ha- therefore also the reason I like this one so much too and some unusual restrictions for this tournament um, so uh, if you don't know this is Owen Wright and uh, Ed Ball Ed Ball being that sort of um, top table player regularly regularly seen on the top table players a fearsome opponent and uh, a delightful human who helps write very interesting rules packs uh, along with Owen who I don't think really plays competitively certainly doesn't go to tournaments that much anymore uh, got a whole family life and all that sort of stuff but he turns up at the uh, at local scene in Sutton and Nashville which is where the tournament will be uh, and is always a lovely chap uh, sadly didn't manage to oh, I'm recording this after the fact uh, didn't really manage to get a chance to uh, speak to Owen uh, or Ed this time round so apologies for that because it would have been really nice to get a bit of uh, insight into why they've chosen the restrictions for the tournament that they have but in essence 
uh, there are a few little minor tweaks. So first of all, uh, no red alliances allowed. So that's number one, which uh, I, I don't I don't think it really affects that many people. I don't think you see a lot of red alliances kicking about anyway these days. But either way, they're banned. Um, there's also a more interesting uh, ban. Legendary legions are banned for this tournament. So this is a really interesting one. This is something that I've been thinking about doing for my tournament for a while um, because I thought... I don't know, it just sort of, I like the idea of resetting this sort of the balance and just giving a sort of the meta a bit of a shake-up for a tournament. And, you know, no, I don't I don't dislike Legendary Legions, but they do kind of limit the creativity, I think, because especially at the top tables, because you're more inclined to take, you know, um, certain lists that are going to do well if you want to uh, do well. So that, and that's that's fine, you know, but it does mean that occasionally if you're playing a lot of games, you, you might come up against a couple of, uh, I don't know, dragon emperors and stuff like that, or a couple of uh, of uh, assault on Lothlorians, etc., etc. Having said that, you could easily just come up with against uh, a couple of Mordor serpent horde, uh, serpent horde kind of alliances. But hey ho, at least there's some kind of restriction to to sort of mitigate against some of those worse ones. And it means that if you're taking your army of say, I don't know, riders of Fairden, you go, you're taking it because you want to take Rohan, and also you think, actually, you know what, I might just take. I don't know, Urkenbrand in addition, or, I don't know, Thedrid, or whatever, because you think, well, you know, there's there's no reason not to. So that's one of the uh, the cool things. And the other one is, because of a 1,000 points being a 1,000 points, it's going to attract lots of big heroes, but it'll also attract lots of magical people too. So um, a 1,000 points, you can easily get in, you know, three or, you know, depending on the army, you could get, like, an impressive amount of magic. So I'm thinking, I'm looking at you, Angmar. You know, you could have a Witch King, four Barrow Whites, and maybe even another Ringwraith like the Tainted or um, the Dwimmer Lake if you really wanted to. And like that is going to be completely unfun for anyone. So uh, there's there's a slight mitigation against this. Whether it's going to actually do much over the course of the tournament or not uh, is kind of your guess as good as mine. Is that essentially you roll a dice um, the first time your uh, Hero of Legend. Uh, or your leader, um, uh, any hero legend, or your leader. So, if, I guess if your hero valor, leader is a hero valor, then this, it gets it well. Um, essentially, you, the first time you, you get ca- a spell cast at you, you roll a dice on a six. You not only resist that um, spell without spending any will or resources or anything. Um, you also are untargetable by magic for the rest of the turn. So that's quite cool. Whether it'll happen or not, I don't know. I guess if you play six turns against um a, a horrible horrible spellcaster you might you might you you should statistically i guess get at least one turn where uh, you're not completely shut down so so that's the idea of the tournament this is where we're going a thousand points lots of goodness to be taken with you um and i was i was thinking what on earth do i take because obviously a few episodes ago now um i took uh, the balrog Barok seems like a great choice for this sort of thing. You know, 1,000 points. You've got, spent a lot of points on him. I don't know, what, is it 350 or something like that? 350 on him, and then, you know, you get loads of other stuff. The problem is, I don't have loads of other stuff. I did toy with the idea of a Balrog and, um, like, a Watcher in the Water, Cave Trolls, and some Goblins, and just make a complete monster mash. But um, I, I still don't think I have enough points. And I had another idea. So let's build an army. Worthy of Mordor. That's right, we're building an army for Mordor. And this time we actually are 
building an army for Mordor. Now, there's more on uh, uh, the the sort of creative reasons for why I chose this army um, in the uh, Warham- uh, the video that I, I put on YouTube. Warhammer video in the video I put on YouTube recently. So do check that one out. Um, but in essence, I wanted to try out Mordor siege bows. I've had one in a blister pack for ages. I can't remember when I bought it. It must be in excess of five years ago. I remember, I think I had two, um, maybe blisters, and I sold one because someone... Um, but, but then, like, it wasn't really... It was, it was like somebody wanted to pay very little money for it and I was like well I don't I'm never going to need more than one so uh, here you go I, in fact I actually I think I already had a spare one anyway so I, I, I thought I'm never going to need more than two so I sold one of them kept the other in the blister pack never opened it um, and then suddenly on a whim decided I want to open this pack and then I realized I had one without legs which I thought hey I could just use that and then thought well the rule of three eh you know they hit on fives these Mordor siege bows if I have three of them one of them will hit every turn right that's that's how statistic what statistics work so that's what i thought i'd do so that is exactly what i'm doing so i thought let's take the siege of minas tirith and just put together an army based around that including three siege bows even though they weren't there on uh, the film i thought let's build something that sort of leans into the Moranon horde of orcs no spooky uh, black Numenorians, very little cavalry you know let's just go for it see what happens and rely entirely on the idea that there's gonna be a lot of big heroes around and if i get a, a, a lucky hit on one of those big heroes over the course of the tournament i'll have ruined somebody else's day and had a great time myself so that's the idea so here we go let's run through the army list uh number one warband number one i've got gothmog lieutenant of sauron with wag and shield of course gothmog he was there he's the man to lead the pack uh, next we've got some orc warriors with spear so just plain orc warriors with spear um I, you know i want to get my numbers up uh one war rider with shield and throwing spear he's the only cavalry in the army the only fast moving thing but i thought i'd slot one in just because um there's some uh, there's some missions which i'll talk about in a minute uh one moran and orc with banner shield and spear uh, three moran and orcs with shield and spear and four moran and orcs with shield so you know mostly moran and orcs a couple of uh, three wa- uh, warriors with orc warriors with spear a wild rider and a banner just the one banner Guritz is the next leader so Guritz he's strength five for some reason um uh, and he's got that special rule for the maelstrom stuff which is cool uh he's accompanied by two orc warriors with spear one orc warrior with shield and spear three moran orcs with shield and spear and four moran orcs with shield uh, warband three similar two orc warriors with spear three moran orcs with shield and spear five moran orcs with shield led by gothmog's enforcer now before you scream out and say why Gothmog's Enforcer? There are plenty of better choices. Well, you were correct. There are, of course, very plenty of better choices, uh, but I don't own any of them. I, I did toy with the idea of swapping in a captain or something instead, um, which would have given me more points. Uh, and I w- it would have given me more warriors, I think, but it would also probably have given me an extra point of might most of the time. But I sort of reasoned that Gothmog has this special rule where he can spend um three of the enforcers will to call heroic moves over the course of a game and gothman's enforcer has one point of might for himself so i sort of thought you know on average you can call those moves with the enforcer as long as as long as you keep them together well enough then you've got you know extra might essentially as you know but maybe a captain with march it would be more useful because then guritz can not have to spend his points of might on march 
um, and you know it's all fine but hey ho that's what I went with also I've got a goth mugs enforcer that's painted so uh, I didn't have to paint very much because I had a lot of siege boats to paint so uh, there you go that's goth mugs enforcer and his warband then we've got the final warband before we get to the siege bows um, and we've got a ring wraith with two points of might and that is it so he's just got two points of might uh, seven will and zero fate in total and I I think this is the only bit where I sort of went, you know what, maybe I could do with something to sacrifice a little bit of theme, um, but gain a lot of utility at a thousand points. Um, so part of it is obviously I can throw a few... Um, uh, throw a few uh, transfixes at stuff because um, I'm going to need them let's be honest my heroes aren't great um, and they're going to be a lot of other big heroes kicking about so I thought well maybe a few transfixes help uh, number two I can black dart some horses if I really need to to again uh, help new to the at- uh, sort of attack and th- uh, C or three I can't remember whether I was doing letters or numbers already um, you can you can do that sort of cheeky assassination um, in in certain scenarios where just just putting the pressure on the um the leader for the vps or for a banner for vps into the death or something like that or or, or for a target in assassination or fog of war so uh, i thought he'd be really useful yeah maybe i could do with spending a few more points of will but i'm already thinking i need a lot of bodies on, in the front line um so in the ring race uh, warband uh, we've got two orc warriors with spear three moranans with shield and spear uh, five moranans with just shield now the final warbands are thus Orc Siege Veteran with Bow. Orc Siege Veteran with Mordor Siege Bow. Orc Siege Veteran with Mordor Siege Bow. That's three of them. They're, they're 50 points. 150 points on Siege Bows. Uh, there's nine Orc models there as well, three of which have points of might, will, and fate uh, to be spent um, on the uh, making the, quote, accurate, as it says, uh, Siege Bow um, uh, hit or, or sort of not scatter as much. Um, so you know I kind of think actually 150 points for 9 models and the potential for a lot of damage from the siege bows so just if obviously I've said already siege bows not that great Um, they're not they hit on fives, as I say, but they, they they have the potential to wreak havoc. So the the, the scatter rule, um, as I in air quotes just said, uh, is quote accurate. So it only scatters three inches. So you can roll to hit. You say you get your five. You get your um your scatter dice. So on a one, it completely misses or hits your own dudes. On a six, it hits exactly who you've uh, tried to hit. On a two, three, four, and five, it scatters just three inches onto someone else of the uh, opponent's choosing uh, on their side. So um, that's good sign. So we like that. Um, and it does a strength nine hit and flings that person d6 inches back and does a strength six hit. Or is it five? Okay, I haven't got the book to hand. Either way, it's five or six on the... I think it's six on um, each of the people that it passes over. So it could potentially hit one guy, strength nine hit, amazing, awesome, um, smash them back through, you know, a good... You could even get through what, six, seven models, um, which is awesome, and then do a strength six hit on everyone it passes over, which is awesome. Um, so that's cool. We like that. Um, but obviously, the, the chances are of that happening on the right person at the right time is is unlikely each turn. Still, it's good. And just to round things off, I wanted to uh, sort of go hard or go home with that kind of theme, as I've already mentioned, a Mordor war catapult. I'm going for the siege of Minas Tirith, I've got to add a bit more. And to be honest, this is the one you want to take. It's 160 points or 150 points. um, And it's got a troll, which uh, if you're um, next to the catapult, it means you get re-rolls to hit and scatter, which is very good. Um, So it hits on fours already. And, uh, you know, re-rolling, so you're pretty much hitting 
what is it 75 percent of the time if that happens so that's cool and the scatter is just that much more likely to get that six which is ace to directly hit something it's splash damage of two inches i think it's strength 10 on the big rock and then two inches of strength five damage uh, splash damage so if you get that direct hit on something important you knock everything prone and also you do a lot of damage which is really cool so we really like that i'm very excited um i i think you're probably already thinking i should take the um the war catapult uh, sorry the um uh, the severed heads uh, which i definitely should have taken and um, this is this is a fine example of a time when i really really uh, should just follow the kind of sensible advice and i should have reprinted my list but i've written it down i've printed it out and i have my thousand points all printed out and ready it's here and someone said, oh, why don't you take, uh, have you got uh, the severed heads? And I was like, oh, no. It's like, oh, you should put severed heads in. And actually, this tournament, you don't need to submit your army list before the tournament. Um, so I could do that. But then again, it's already printed, isn't it? So <laughs> so having to fiddle around with all the, the combinations of spears and shields and drop an orc here for six points and then try and get a spear somewhere else for somewhere else you know it, it's just it's just not going to happen so i just couldn't be bothered so uh, i didn't go with it it might be a very poor idea in the long run i, could, I probably could have got a lot of value out of it especially with the ring wraith kicking about uh, but here you go that's what i've got i'm going for the fun of the idea of recreating siege bows and uh, recreating the siege of Minas Tirith and trying out to see whether siege bows are awesome or not i've got a lot of hobby stuff that's really cool and um, i'm really really liked building these siege bows talking through these siege bows and making the uh, siege bows and, and crewing them up with some uh, uh, 3d printed um, siege bow guys that i bought off etsy again all of that content's in that video sorry if i keep mentioning that video too much but um i just yeah just uh, there's a lot there's a lot of stuff from this podcast that's also in that video which uh, they kind of work side by side so feel free to watch one before the other um or listen to one before the other but yeah definitely recommend uh, listening to both or watching both if you can uh, so there you go so that's that uh, that's my army uh, it's been built and um, there was one more thing i sort of teased out earlier which is that some of the scenarios that you would usually expect to see uh, are not going to be played at this event so i kind of teased ahead to this uh, earlier on that there are some restrictions um i mean there's other restrictions for example um you've got to have at least five models and no more than 100 models um so yeah those sorts of things are are in play but um you're definitely not playing these missions command the battlefield seize the prize recon capture and control contest of champions and clash by moon knight now there are a couple of reasons why um these the lack of these scenarios made me kind of quite happy with my army because there are a couple of scenarios that if they came up would be really really bad well quite a few uh, scenarios that would be really really bad for the um the siege be- weapons so number one command the battlefield is the first scenario we're not allowed to play command the battlefield is a maelstrom thing which uh, there are still two other maelstrom missions in um that's fine uh, but these ones specifically want you to spread your force out on the the sort of outer parts of the the table so command the battlefield divides the thing the game into four quarters and you get more points for being in each quarter and there's a dead zone in the middle so my siege bows and siege uh, the the catapult really kind of want stuff to be clumped into the center on an objective so um 
that sort of scenario is really bad for them. But it's not going to be played, so it's fine. So that's quite good. So, you know, and obviously the, the Maelstrom thing means you have to deploy all of your stuff on one side anyway. So what I think would end up happening in Command the Battlefield on that one is either my army gets horribly divided or I get all of my stuff onto two halves and really struggle to get uh, any, any dudes over to the other side of the battlefield and the kind of the catapults and the, the siege bows might not do well or, or you know, even one or two warband or just, you know, one cheeky warband might be able to take out a troll, uh, a troll the catapult or something else. So I thought uh, Command the Battlefield is actually good, whereas the... Uh, bad for me, whereas Divide and Conquer, where we have to get into... Uh, is it Divide and Conquer? Or what's the other Maelstrom one? Hold Ground. And there's another Maelstrom mission. I'm sure you're shouting. Uh, uh, the Heirlooms. Uh, at least with Heirlooms, although they, the, the stuff could happen anywhere, it's going to be focused in one place eventually, hopefully. Um, so, and the same with Hold Ground, obviously. So that's cool. So I thought Command the Battlefield bad for siege weapons therefore this tournament's good for siege weapons next one seize the prize uh, that involves running to the middle and kind of fighting in a big line um i'm not as much of a fan of that so it obviously means seize the prize you've got to get into the middle you've got to fight over it all in the middle being in the middle around one thing one objective one sort of uh, point focal point um where i don't know i guess it's not as handy um, for I suppose that's kind of slightly contradicting what I've just been saying in the command of the battlefield, but I have to race to the middle, and that that means that I don't get to just sit and shoot as much as I would like to, which I guess is more 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 important. And um, so although I've got a wag for sort of objective based stuff or running around uh, annoying things, uh, I didn't really want to just was it uh, straight into the middle and try and grab the prize. Um, I'd prefer to be just standing and shooting stuff. So that's what i've brought things for and gladly sees the prices and playing recon similar don't want to move my army at all want to stay at the back so recon great that it's not there capture and control probably one of the ones that I'd, you know i don't mind that being there that would be fine i don't mind don't don't, don't mind doing that domination and the i can't remember what the other one is uh anyway whatever the other two are they're, they're fine as well i think all of those would be not so bad for for my siege weapons contest of champions another one i don't want this to happen because all of my army would have to deploy uh, pretty, and either my leader Gothmog, not very good, um, deploys in the middle, and the rest of the army kind of support him, or uh, I sacrifice on my army and then run everything back and start shooting. Um, but then, of course, they start in the middle line anyway. So it's just not great for the siege weapons if I'm going for siege weapons and clash by moonlight. Uh, although it'd be funny to get the plus one to wound stuff. Um, I don't really want to be hitting on sixes if I can avoid it. So there's a few reasons there why this tournament seems like it might be a little bit better for siege weapons. So. With that in mind, siege weapons on the way, tournament reports on the way, but first... Questions. Questions that need answering. Yes, that's right. There's a few questions that need answering. We'll do riddles in the dark in a second as well. Uh, Still got some... uh, I'm going to do one more time, uh, one more chance for people to have a guess at the riddle in the dark to win an SBG magazine. Uh, I know we've probably moved on a little bit from the SBG magazine. I can only apologise. It's been August since I got given that gift. But I just want to give everyone, uh, or as many people as a chance, uh, to have a go at the riddle in the dark because it's been a while... um, uh, it's probably been plenty of time now, but uh, I thought I'd just give give everyone plenty of time to have a good listen to that riddle in the dark uh, before we give away a prize. So, uh, riddle uh, questions that need answering. This is the part of the podcast where I just answer some questions. We have some topics uh, to discuss over a period of time, um, and uh, we usually uh, delve into the inbox for riddles in the dark as well, uh, which we'll do in a minute. Um, but first of all, questions that need answering. Uh, just a little bit of a comment here. Uh, there's a question. Uh, the, this is a from James Sanderson. 
who uh, says, Kia ora, Harry. Uh, long time slash first time. So I'm guessing that means a long time listener, first time emailer. Oh, that's that's cool. That's, uh, yeah, thank you very much for, for getting in touch. Uh, despite your long time, it's always nice to hear a first timer uh, getting in touch. Um, the Riddles in the Dark answer is the start of dot, dot, dot. Hmm. I think you may well be right here there, James. Uh, thank you very much for getting in touch. But while you're here, he says, I'm an expat living in New Zealand. Have you thought about making a pilgrimage to the actual Middle Earth? Speaking from experience, it's definitely worth it. Love your work. A new Entmoop episode is always the highlight of my day. I can't remember. I might have read this last time. Um, I feel like I might have read this already on the podcast. If not, I definitely want to do the pilgrimage to actual Middle Earth. Uh, although that is disputed by some people who say that uh, J.R.R. Tolkien based it on England. Hmm. Who knows? Uh, either way, uh, yeah, and there's an ongoing saga about that on various YouTube channels. Uh, check out Zorpa Zorp and Battle Games, in Middle, uh, not Battle Games, in Battle Camper for more on that. Um, I, I would love to, and I would, I, I, I have plans. Well, not exact plans, but I do have ideas to go there. So, James, uh, expect some messages from me at some point in the dis- not too distant future saying, can me and my wife stay in your spare room please or on your sofa please it'll be great to save us money on our trip to new zealand uh, so yeah uh, get in touch if you have a home or a sofa we can stay in while pl- uh, doing a trip to new zealand anyway james thanks very much uh, yeah of course i'd love to go to new zealand it's just costing it uh let's go to todd laffridge laffridge or l-a-u-g-h-r-i-d-g-e laffridge laffridge i'd say it's laffridge uh this is this is the subject line and this actually in fact i might just do this in a second back to you in a second todd uh, because that is the question that i wanted to i've, I've sort of skipped over something uh, here we go now this is from geordie moss uh, geordie from the two towers podcast uh, who we'll be hearing from in an upcoming episode of the podcast more on that soon uh, geordie says hey mate heard your rant on the latest uh, uh, one a uh, latest entmoot about the necromancies and the boys gotta say i agree it's a god-awful play pattern but he says in large capital letters, I'd encourage you to look at Dark Powers of Dolgulder, Sans the Necromancer. Super fun, and you get a lot of unique play there. Unkillable Nazgul blocking zones so your Gundabats can chop. Hmm. You can check out this YouTube video, or of course, Two Towers Episode 3, question mark? Yeah, 3, he thinks. Actually, one of my most fun lists he's played. That's from Geordie of the Two Towers podcast, uh, an Australian version of... Uh, it's kind of like Entmoot, they go to the tournament, except there's a lot more hobby content and chatter uh, and stuff, because obviously I just am on my own uh, under a bedsheet, if you uh, want to know. That's how I record most of my audio, um, uh, if you can picture that. And... Um, Geordie has friends, so uh, so him and Albert they uh, they do uh, the chatty bit, talking about the hobby, talking about the sort of the bants, uh, and then go off to the tournament and do the same sort of stuff as I do, which is which is cool. It makes for some big uh, long episodes, uh, which are great for a mammoth painting session if you've got a chance. So Geordie, thanks very much for getting in touch. Uh, Nathan uh, has been in touch as well. Uh, he has a uh, answer to the riddle, and he has it right as well. You're in the draw to win the magazine. Um, Alex, uh, this is a continuation from the stuff that um, we sort of touched on in a couple of episodes now ago about um, 
uh, about the kind of uh, ardour controversy stuff. Um, uh, he, he says, Alex says, let's just read it. Medium time listener, second time writer in it, he says. Excellent. Uh, I was listening to Entmoot episode 79 and it sounded like you were still soliciting opinions on the Articon J. Jasmine con- uh, draw. Uh, just to be clarified, I think um, Alex says uh, J most of the time here. It's actually Jake. Um, just in case we get confusion between any other J's. Um, but, you know, fine. Um, he says, I thought I had something to offer you because one of my vocations is legal philosophy. So I thought I might have something to contribute. As I see it, the difference in view comes down to a deeper question of what game we are playing. Now, Alex and listeners, we're going deep. Strap, <laughs> strap up because this is interesting. I'm sure you and listeners will be familiar with the difference between playing competitively and playing for fun. This is actually the difference between two different types of play, playing to play and playing to win. Imaginative child play is an example of the first, whereas professional sports is an example of the second. Is the aim to have fun playing or is it to win? There's always going to be a difference here. And the writer inner you discussed in the recent episode clearly prefers prefers fun play to competitive play. My brackets limited, uh, close brackets experience, matches yours. That even the top table players are good sports and there are very few dickheads in the co- in the hobby. But there's a second more distinct uh, second more important distinction in the Jake Jasmine example sorry I said Jake I'm editing as I, as I speak Jake Jasmine example this is whether it's about playing each game or is it about playing an event as a whole and the different approach underlies the different side I think agreeing in quotes I'll come back to that or aiming to draw a game so as to get a better result in the tournament slips between these two in the frame of playing each game it's a travesty because they didn't play that game Playing the game means you're trying to win, even if the odds are against you, especially if playing for fun is better. Uh, But even then, it would be a travesty if a football team thought the odds were against them and played defensively, hoping for a a draw. Hope you're following this. Except that, of course, it wouldn't, and that would be normal in football. Sorry, except that, of course, it wouldn't, and that would be normal in football. It would also be normal in warfare. People tend to only engage if the odds are favourable. Historically, there are many examples of battle lines facing off, but neither wanting to engage because the odds weren't very good. I'm sure anyone who knows history can give such an example. I don't, brackets, I don't and I can't. It's primarily because we're playing a game for fun that it might seem fun. Uh, Historical examples, uh, not a particularly uh, detailed or accurate historical example, but um, if you've ever seen the film Braveheart, they do a lot of this sort of stuff, don't they? They they talk about the Scottish people turning up to a uh, a fight uh, and getting all their army there and then kind of negotiating terms uh, and then sort of, you know, buggering off. Um, and they sort of talk about that being, you know, betraying Scotland and all that sort of stuff. I guess that's a fair example. Um, to continue what uh, what we're, uh, the email, it says, it's primarily because we're playing a game for fun that it might seem fun. Uh, okay, uh, so let's just, sorry, I might just read that. Historically, there are many examples of battle lines facing off, but neither wanting to engage because the odds weren't very good. And I'm sure anyone who knows history can give such an example. It's primarily because we're playing a game for fun that it might seem fun. In any event, once we add a tournament and rankings and there is an overall game, a meta game perhaps, above each individual game. Tournaments have points and rules and these can be gamed. What about a particular arrangement where a player ranked fourth in the penultimate game decides to stop with a minor win so that their final game they play someone other than the person ranked one, uh, number one so that if they win their final game they springboard rank one without having to beat them. The actual setup is more complicated than that but that's the gist. Is that tactical meta gaming unsporting? So, Jake and Jasmine both avoided playing the game at hand so as to have a better chance at the metagame. 
they didn't actually uh, there's a sort of star here somewhere uh, they didn't actually arrange it it's just good game theory that it's optimal play for both sides or something like that okay so this is getting very complicated so i hope you're following this in any event the articum setup was particular and it was only because the bo- of the bonus final round and the fact that nobody else was close enough to challenge the final round that a draw play was optimal. Nobody was worse off for it. It just serves as a very good example of the difference between the two layers of game and tournament. As I hadn't seen anyone else describe it in this way, granted, I'm not on any discords and don't spend that much time on the GBH or Facebook page, I thought I'd write in about it, and because being legally trained and something of a philosopher, it's a different fun way for me to nerd out about the hobby. Anyway, I'm enjoying the podcast, and I listen to new episodes when they come out, and also listen to old episodes when I have insomnia in the night. It's the right sort of distracting chatter that it can send me to sleep, while also being interesting enough to listen to if I don't fall asleep. High praise, I know. Yeah, thanks for that, Alex. (laughs) Um... Uh, I don't get to play the game much at the moment for various life circumstance reasons, so your podcast and getting into rules chats on social media are good ways for me to stay engaged. Hopefully I'll come across you at a tournament at some point because I have been saving up thoughts for a post-game interview. I have a relatively unique way of engaging with a hobby which I haven't heard come up yet, which might be fun to share. A fact check on... Oh, also, a fact check on something you got wrong a couple of years ago, and I have a riddle I would sew into my post-game interview. Keep it up. All the best. And so... There was a lot of interesting stuff in that email, Alex. Um, thank you so much for, for getting in touch. Um, I, I'm not going to sort of try and digest all of it, but I think you had some really interesting thoughts uh, about why, uh, sort of delving into whether it's right or wrong. And I don't really know. I don't think there is any right or wrong answer. I guess, as you've pointed out, it depends if you're playing the game to play the game or playing the game to win the game or, or you know, playing the game to win the game and then don't really care about the tournament result. You know, so I think I'm probably somewhere in the middle. I kind of think... I, I want to play each game to try and win each game, but I'm not that bothered about the tournament stuff. Like I very rarely keep track of my uh, tournament points or my victory points or like victory point difference or something like that, unless people start asking me about it. And I'm like, well, I don't know, I'm probably about plus 10, minus 1, whatever. You know. So I, I'm kind of interested in the game and winning the game, and then if I've won more than one game, I'm happy. Uh, and if I've won no games, then I'm not very happy. And so I guess that's the kind of middle ground between trying to win the tournament and trying to win the game. So interesting. Also, that stuff at the end. What the hell? I have a relatively unique way of engaging with a hobby, which I haven't heard come up yet, which might be fun to share. That's great. Thanks for the tease on that. That's really interesting. I'd like to like to meet you and play a, a game and, and understand what you're doing. And the fact check, you have some, something you got wrong a couple of years ago. What What's that about? That's the slowest fact-checker in the world. Just send in the fact-check and tell me, and I'll, I'll, I'll talk about it. I want to know now. I'll just leave these incorrect things in my old podcast without corrections. How dare you? I mean, how dare you? How dare me? I can't allow that. I don't. If, I, if, if there's a fact-check I've got wrong, I, I need to know. Uh, like I did with the other one. Uh, someone um, emailed me in about uh, an army, the Hobbits, and the, ring, uh, the Rangers. I got that wrong. Yeah. So, come on. Anyway, uh, and also you have a riddle. What the hell? All this stuff is like you're planning planning a whole episode. Maybe we should do a whole episode with you, Alex. Sounds really interesting. Anyway, thanks very much for getting in touch. Finally, we've got Corey Cunningham. This is before the other, uh, the next question that needs answering. I've been getting back into MESPG for after a long hiatus, though. Sa- uh, though sadly, so far, just modelling and friendly games. That is good. Do that. That's that's some of the best the best kind of uh, hobbying, isn't it? I have, however, been enjoying the podcast. Thanks for continuing to producing and contributing so much of your time and energy. It's things like this that keep communities running. I felt like I was going mad trying to work out the most recent riddle in the dark. Then I realised it. 
And of course, you're correct. Uh, thanks very much, Corey from Glasgow. And thanks for getting in touch. You are in the draw to win that magazine. Now, uh, we said... Where was it? Uh, okay, yes, yeah, it's Todd Laffridge. So I, I think this is a question I, I, you could answer. In defence of Azog and Bolg. OP question mark, Todd Laffridge. I recently ran a 458-point alliance of Goblin Town and Azog's Hunters. The theme was out of the frying pan and into the fire. I used Bolg because I don't have an Azog and probably wouldn't have had the points anyway. It was a really fun list to play. I did pretty well with it, uh, with two major victories, one draw and one minor loss. Excuse me. My question is, I took a lot of friendly abuse for running the mighty Bolg, allied with the Goblin King. Lots of accusations of trying to be a power gamer. It was all in good fun, but I'm curious if you have or are facing the same type of accusations for running Azog. Bolg and Azog seem to be disliked profiles by my community because they're perceived as too powerful. Is it the same in your community? Let me know your thoughts. Love the podcast. Todd of North Carolina. Uh, He's given a little summary of his list as well. Army was a total of 29 models. Goblin King, Bolg on Marg, Goblin Captain, 3 Felwargs and 23 Goblins. So not exactly your typical Goblin Horde. So this is interesting. So first, I'll answer the easiest question first. Is um, Azog or Bolg, or are Azog or Bolg, um, perceived as too powerful? Some people make comments. They sort of say, oh, Azog, fight seven, that's ridiculous. Bolg, fight seven, that's ridiculous. And I can sort of understand those criticisms from a sort of theme point of view, because I guess you think... Why is Azog or Bolg better at fighting than, say, for example, Aragorn? And should they be on the same level as, say, or, or better than Elrond? Uh, or should they be the same level as Elendil? And my sort of obvious, the obvious answer to me is no, they're not as good as those. But in the context of the game, I think it's nice for um, evil to have some pretty nice big heroes that are sort of, you know powerful in a combat sense fighty sense rather than in other ways like you know the witch king being good at magic or sauron being just unkillable etc etc so i don't personally think and i haven't heard anyone really complain seriously about azog or bulk being op overpowered um i have i certainly haven't uh, a couple of people gonna oh god you know pits of Golda, that's a rough list for you to play uh, in the last couple of uh, events i did have a I think don't think people were sort of like, oh, God, that's awful. Oh, why are you playing that? I'm surprised at you. Uh, they just sort of said, oof, that's tough. That's going to be tough to play. So that's interesting. Uh, so that's the sort of response I've been getting um, generally. As for your army, 458 points. I don't know why you got... <laughs> that's an unusual tournament. Um, Goblin King, Bolgonwag, Goblin Captain, three Felwags, 23 Goblins. I'm trying to think... The problem with this is it's very hard to remember the sorts of armies you'd have at 450 points. I know, for example, Hunter Orc armies do very well at this sort of level, so you could get you two, um, maybe three of the Hunter Orc heroes plus a lot of Hunter Orcs. And I like to think that they would absolutely rinse this list. Um, the shooting advantage, you've got that. Hunter Orcs are much better than Goblins, and they kill sort of point for point are just so much better the two attacks, the strength four, everything is just so much better. Um, I mean, obviously, Goblin King and Bolg are good, um, but I, maybe maybe I'm just underestimating this list, but it doesn't feel like the most scary list that, that I've ever heard of. Um, I guess it would be in the top tier of the lower point lists, but it's really hard to know, if I'm completely honest, Todd, because 
450 points isn't the most common sort of points level. I'm just, you know, I'm just going to have a quick, quick delve into my spreadsheets and have a look at some of the armies that I've come up with for 200 points, granted, but 200 points nonetheless. So here's an example of an army that I thought of for 200 points. So if we double this, right, I have a, a Dwarf King, 11 Dwarf Warriors with Shield, Iron Guard, and Khazad Guard Warrior. That's uh, 13 uh, models plus a king. And say, for example, we could replace the Dwarf King uh, for the 150 point, or sort of, you know, for to get uh, uh, extra you could do i don't know you could do a king's champion of the captain or something like that for 450 points say you got a king's champion of the captain it'd be probably about that and you'd have still 20 something models king's champion and a captain plus a lot of dwarves against that goblin army i'd really rate um but maybe not i don't know the killing power of bulg would that make up for it i don't know probably not uh, another army that i've uh, I, I had a sort of considered um you can get a uh, load of ruffians I mean that's you could get sort of what is it 8 plus 18 20 so you could get 20 ruffians for 200 points so 450 points you can get something like 40 ruffians 50 ruffians maybe that would be pretty good uh, with a load of bows that would be better uh, I think I played against someone with uh, Harad King um, on horse uh, 450 points Suladan and let us do- I don't know. I just feel like, personally, I feel like that um, that that feels beatable. Maybe because the goblins um, are so easy to kill. Twenty three goblins, and the defense three. All you need is a good round of shooting with four hundred fifty points of elven bows or something like that. I mean, I don't know how many you'd get, but say you've got Haldir for eighty plus fifteen elves at one hundred fifty points. That's 200 what 330 points so plus a captain or something else or legolas maybe that's 300 and you got that you just you just absolutely destroy it wouldn't you You're like you just well you won't get all of them having bows but still i i just may, maybe you're wrong so this is why i wanted to open it up to people maybe you can come up with a 458 point alliance uh, not a necessary alliance 488 uh, 458 point list which you think could easily beat um goblin king and Bolg, and Captain, three Felwags and 23 Goblins. So uh, I want you to send that in, if you can. Uh, this is the question that needs answering this time. So it's your list-building challenge. Uh, and hopefully it means that, A, we can point out that maybe not everyone is as, as scared by the list as Todd's uh, cowardly, cowardly friends uh, in his local gaming league. But also, uh, so we can suggest things for Todd's cowardly, cowardly uh, friends to um, use, to run, uh, and maybe test up against Todd, and maybe it's just the fact that Todd is a very good player, and that's why he's winning, and it's not because uh, the people who are around him are, uh, are playing against an overpowered army list. So do it. 458 points. That's your challenge. Thank you very much for uh, for getting in touch there, Todd, and for starting a question that needs answering. Now, uh, quickly, we'll have a look at the Riddle in the Dark. Riddles in the Dark. Yes, that's right. So this is the part of the podcast where you get a chance to win an SBG magazine. And um, next episode, which should be coming very, very soon, uh, and I mean very, very soon, like maybe only a week or two after this podcast, uh, it will be delving back into the archives to the uh, the lost interviews, which I accidentally... Um, thought i deleted but hadn't deleted and anyway uh, i won't go into that again um 
so it, I'll hopefully be uh, delving that into the archives and getting the final Numenor uh, army list podcast out. Um, so that'll be next in the next couple of weeks. So in the meantime, have a listen to this and tell me who speaks next and what do they say. <laughs> Straightforward, just a clip from the Lord of the Rings or the Hobbit movies. Uh, someone is grunting and someone's making sounds and there's all this sort of stuff happening. But someone is about to speak. I'm testing your film knowledge. Who speaks next and what do they say? Get in touch. Entmootpodcast at gmail.com. If you think you know the answer, that's entmootpodcast at gmail.com if you think you know the answer to the riddle in the dark now we'll play the clip right at the end of the podcast so if you're driving right this second or if you're cycling or running or uh, pogo sticking somewhere then at least you can uh, just listen back right at the end of the podcast uh, to that sound if you want to write in podcast at gmail.com now we've done all the sort of uh, the, the paperwork bits We've built the army, we've talked about the, the tournament, uh, we've gone through some emails, we've gone through some riddles in the dark. It's all very exciting because now we're taking my exciting, wonderful, sexy army list to a tournament in Sutton, in Ashfield, in Nottinghamshire. I'm going to camp, I've got a tent ready, I'm going to uh, meet the battle camper just like I did uh, in that Frozen video uh, many, many moons ago. Uh, if you want to watch the video and build up to the tournament before you hear the uh, podcast interviews... Go ahead onto the YouTube channel right now, Battle Games in Middle-earth on YouTube, just search for it and uh, check out the Mordor Siege one um, and you will find some of the uh, stuff and then you can like pause it when the games start and then hear some interviews if you want to do that. Or you could do it a normal way and just carry on listening because we're about to go on an adventure. Yeah, Mr. Robo, where are you off to? Stop. I'm already late! So round one at the Battle of Unnumbered Tears, uh, playing a thousand points. I've got my siege veterans uh, coming out the the wazoo, four four of them, uh, alongside uh, Gothmog and friends, and playing against Ali King. Good morning. Well, good morning. Good afternoon now, technically, but it started on good morning, so let's go with it. Uh, we're playing Fog of War, and Ali, you're known for your dwarves, and you haven't disappointed. What have you brought this time? Uh, so I've returned to my roots of Kazadam, and I brought uh, my Vault Warden list with more Vault Wardens than normal, so there's now 16 Vault Wardens in the army. It's, uh, it's pretty pretty imposing looking. Uh, yeah, it basically, it, rule of cool kind of is the reason why I took the army. And also it's kind of quite funny putting down 16 Vault Wardens on the table and going, can you kill it? Yeah, can you kill it? And it's, it's quite, a, quite a move. And you've got, with it, you've got Durin, Mardin, uh, a Dwarf King and King's Champion, is that right? Uh, yeah, correct. So I went for Mardin for the Femi option uh, and he's kind of a bit of a mic battery. And then Durin's Durin, King's Champion, it's yeah. good. He just does uh, the stuff. And yeah. the King brings the march. So when you saw uh, that I've got three siege weapons and a, a, and a ca- sorry siege uh, bolt throwers and a catapult what did you think I mean because th- these actually you know three strength nine shots actually is one of the few sort of shooting armies that might actually vaguely intimidate you yeah it's basically one of the ones where I go it should be fine but dice are dice and it's hard to tell sometimes yeah exactly yeah because I, I, obviously if I'd have hit 
a couple of turns with a couple of bolt throws, it could really mess things up. But as is to be expected with uh, five plus shooting, um, I, I think the very first turn I hit nothing with any of them. The second turn, I think I hit stuff, but scattered in or got in the ways and stuff like that so by the time we were getting anywhere near to colliding I'd, I'd still not done anything other than maybe take one guy off I think uh, with a catapult um, but it, I think there were a couple of turns where I did actually get maybe one or two kills and then it was one really really good um, catapult shot which hit a direct hit and um, and just sadly the, the rolling was really poor on the and particularly on the spear guys yeah that was actually I think the first catapult shot you got a direct hit and I was like oh no yeah. like, is this how it's going to go and then you only killed one out of like yeah. the six or seven that you hit and I was like cool and then I think the other time you got uh, hits it was usually only hitting one or two um, so uh, I avoided the uh, horrific potential yeah. of damage from those models um, unlike yourself right at the end of the <laughs> yeah. I think the very the very penultimate turn of shooting uh, when well, before the lines clashed and I basically didn't move forward at all for about three turns in a row um, that I, I kind of I shot into my lines and I kind of misjudged that you could scatter one into my own dudes uh, and I managed to roll exceptionally well on my own shoot I mean granted I wasn't fighting uh, the defence six uh, sorry defence nine stuff but I think, I think I killed six of my own guys which basically tallied up just about less than what the whole of my shooting had done against your army and the, the turns preceding that so not a great great start with the uh, siege bows but of course this mission isn't about siege bows as much as I love them um, it's, it's about killing heroes and protecting heroes and all that sort of stuff so before we reveal exactly what was uh, uh, what the actual final outcome was what, what sort of things did you think I was going to be trying to kill and protect uh, so I figured you would probably go for either Marden or the king because the banners in my list are heroes, however, you're unlikely to get to them and they do have fate. Durin uh, you can't pick and the King's Champion is a bit too tough and up potentially to crack. So I figured it was going to go for one of those two. Um, and so I put one on one flank and one on the other and then basically whichever way you kind of directed your resources would probably indicate which one it was. Um, and then in terms of you protecting, I was, I was genuinely thinking it was your ring wraith uh, for a lot of the game. Uh, but I was also aware because you got so many like little heroes, a bit like we both do, that it could be any of the siege vets as well. Mm. So it was basically going into it, going, I need to make sure I break you without being broken and capture my terrain, and probably stop you capturing yours to feel comfortable in the victory. Yeah, and 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 like you say, try and kill as many of those little siege vets as possible. So I did choose. Um, I did think about the the ring wraith, but what I was worried about was the the lack of will. So only having seven, I wanted to be able to put a couple of transfixes in and to potentially use him to assassinate stuff. Um, so and also the courage in the late game is quite useful. So I wanted him to hang around and not and I, knowing that your army was going to arrive at some point and pretty much smash through everything, that, uh, that there's a good chance you'll be able to tie the ring rope up after a couple of turns. So I. I I decided not to do that, uh, but I knew that my siege veterans would be at the back. Um, I kind of didn't really think about their courage, which wasn't a very clever move. But um, I chose the catapult one um, because I thought, well, he's got a troll next to him as well, so I thought he'd be a bit more protected. Um, so that was what I did. And, and actually, only the very, very last turn did he actually uh, run away. Uh, he, he was the, one of the few siege veterans that managed to stick around right until the, uh, the final throws of the game. And, and I, I, was, I was indeed trying to kill Mardin. So, I, I, as you said, he's a, one of the lower defence uh, ones. He's defence seven. Uh, still, still pretty high defence. Uh, but I thought um, I, I lined up two of the siege uh, catapults, uh, sorry, the bows and the catapults to just lob and attack him as often as I can. And actually, I think you kind of left him a little bit 
exposed a few times. He was he was kind of in the weaker flank. Maybe it's because I was just focusing my shooting there, but I, I felt I had some really good shots at him. Uh, so part of me was just assuming you would kill my target, right. and I was assuming I would kill you. So because I uh, went for your siege vet on the other flank, yeah. it was there going, I know I can match you and kill you for kill. Uh, and it was it's one of those things where it wasn't like super exposed but it was exposed enough that I would know it was him if you were going for him Uh, and because he's got the free might he can survive a direct hit um which I mean I think I just rolled a four plus any time the one uh, time I think it was, was it a three I, th- I feel like you might have spent one might on the face yeah yeah something like that but basically it was there going and then it was just a case of weirdly at the end it was there going I want the game to end early so I know you don't kill Martin yeah. however I don't want it to end early so I can probably kill your guy that you're protecting yeah uh, so it was kind of like a not bad situation either way but, and, um, and I think in the end uh, Martin got taken down by a plucky orc it was just one guy yeah. oh yeah it was one time when he wasn't like surrounded or yeah. anything like that and it, wasn't it was it when he did a heroic combat as well yeah I think it is because yeah, yeah, you didn't have the might to win yeah, the fight yeah yeah because yeah. Yeah, I was going because there was one siege vet within range which I was like I, I don't know if that one is the protect but I kind of want to take him out if I can at that point in case the game ended and then I lost combat as you do when you call heroic combat and then he died as you also do right? yeah. uh, so uh, don't call heroic combat kids yeah exactly yeah <laughs> no it's funny uh, right at the start of the game we had this kind of uh, you, you rolled and won the, the deployment um, and you sort of said oh I think I might want to go on your side and we had a joking thing I was like I was sitting down on my side and I was like oh I don't really want to move and, and all that sort of stuff I actually think that I w- would have wanted to be on the other side of the board because um, this, there's this massive building on the sort of centre of my deployment which um, which kind of split my army in half I just have so many models that I my veteran that you were trying to get was kind of on one side of a building that the catapult was behind and because I'd focused more of my resources ta- attacking Mardin uh, it meant that my flank was a little bit more exposed and I think maybe I might I, I might have benefited a little bit from being on the, the sort of more sparse side but um, but hold on we've got to hand in results just going to hand in the results sorry we're just live on it here you go thanks Owen cheers I'll talk to you later no problem I'm back so um, I was just saying that, that I think maybe I'd have benefited from that but ultimately you had what was it, 50-something models anyway, and I had 59, so I, I, they just your guys beat me fight for fight, essentially, for everything. So, uh, yeah, I actually wanted to decide I was on. I was just yeah. being... You were just being a dick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fair enough. That's interesting to know, though. But, um, and also, at that point in the game, uh, I thought we were playing Assassination. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because uh, uh, me and Howie definitely paid attention to what scenario was being played. But, uh, so, yeah, I mean, there was... The good thing was it splits up your army, which favours me. Yeah. The bad thing is it did make it harder for me to get at your vets if I needed to. Yeah. And that was why I chose the catapult one, because he was right behind this big building. I thought if I move forward a bit, I might be able to catapult. But I just didn't put enough guys on both sides to sort of protect the guy that you were going for. But, uh, yeah, in the end, it meant that you were further away from potential terrain for you to capture. Mm. Um, so I figured it was the safest side, even though it going on the side that you had may have made it easier to get a 12 big win or something like yeah, that yeah. Uh, I kind of played it more safe and had enough turns that it didn't really matter in the end I think I made some um, some, uh, some pretty stupid errors if I'd have done if I'd have chosen the ring wraith as you said um, he'd have been more able to move and be protected because my sort of idea was if I can kill Mardin uh, and focus my firepower on one side and kill that sort of because there was a lot more terrain on your side that you had to wander through so that sort of uh, flank of yours was kind of more 
scatter shot. It, it eventually formed up into a scary defence nine um, line, but it, it, it was it was probably the easier side, and I wanted to break through and get to these little um, hay bales that were sort of basically on the middle line. Um, and if I'd have chosen my, to protect my hero of the, the ring wraith, send him along with it as well, push most of my force that way, I, I might have been able to do a bit more, but because I was left going, oh, I've got to protect the catapult, um, which was a bit silly, then um, maybe maybe that was uh, the, the one of the fatal flaws. But I, I did because then I could have sort of sacrificed the target or what I thought was probably your target after a while and have half your big heroes sort of taking ages to get around the building so I could have used it to my advantage but didn't the other advantage of doing rape is the higher courage so if yeah. you do get through which is why I maybe I made a mistake in assuming that you would have thought about running away but like mm. which is why I thought doing rape was up until you used this two will to pop himself on a last ditch black dart yeah. at Marden um, which didn't go off and he ended up being I, killed by an orc anyway <laughs> I, I would say the main mistake you made other than bringing what? three siege bows well, <laughs> other than the, the, the siege bow uh, shot which ended up killing a lot of your own guys yeah, yeah, was, um, was also you didn't use your magic very well at all like you were chucking two dice transfixes at Juren when it didn't really matter um, whereas you've probably been better off just if you want to do that one dicing it but probably just sending it around the other side and, and black darting yeah, yeah I, t- I totally should have done that I think it's because it was deployed in one place I wanted to slow down uh, your big heroes just so that they didn't churn through to uh, uh, to the cattle either way uh, excellent game a really cool themey sort of um, uh, uh, vault warden led uh, dwarf list and you ended up with a 12-3 you might have worked out so you got everything you needed to do you broke me killed your target uh, my guy ran away just in the last last turn we, it was actually only a few minutes on the clock and I was like oh well is that the end of the game and it's like actually yeah no we, we so we did roll for it and uh, I ran away and that was that but um, I did manage to kill Marden which I can I can be pretty proud of and I was how many models off was I breaking about five six maybe seven uh, I think it was six in the end six so. six so um, not you, bad. You, your time in the orc was pretty successful. Oh yeah, that did really well. Because um, when you're re-rolling the second dice to wound the vault wardens as well, it actually suddenly makes it a lot more likely that you do kill them. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but no, you killed quite a lot. To be fair, I'm quite proud of that. The, the siege bows did zero. <laughs> they, they basically killed one guy or something like that, uh, and then six or seven orcs of my own. So next time, let's not scatter into my own troops. Either way, Ali, thanks very much, and best luck in the next game. Thanks. Good luck as well. Cheers. Cheers. Thank you. We still like a BBC. Pronunciation. Receive pronunciation only, please. Yes, that's right. Game number two here at Unnumbered Tears. And uh, this has been a pretty spicy one, it must be said. Playing against Dan Scott, patron, Dan Scott, big support of the podcast. Um, so nice to have another game. I think it was a, 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 was it a year ago today we played? Or yeah, it must have been, yeah. Yeah, yeah it was yeah, at number tiers, tiers, anyway. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. So uh, I think last time we played, you had some elves of some sort, and yeah. you, I was playing my Eastling army. This time I've got this siege bow nonsense. What have you brought to the, the tournament this weekend? Uh, so I brought what I thought was a, uh, an Isengard horde, but actually um, I'm being outnumbered a few times. So I've got some Isengard and Dunland. Uh, with just one siege, um, well, sorry, uh, blister. Um, so it's just it's, it's a bit of everything, really. Yeah, so. yeah you've got all the good heroes. Yeah. I mean, you've, you've got Saruman, you've got Thryden, you've got Gorolf, yeah, yeah. Uh, and Lurt. So yeah, it, but of course, this one we're playing hold ground. So Maelstrom is a thing. Armies are split up. The siege bows deploy straight away at the start. So loads of little shenanigans right at the the get go. But yeah. before we even roll for anything, what did you think when you saw my list? I have had quite a lot of siege bows and and trolls and. Uh, you know, catapults and all this stuff. Well, I, I, I thought, why are you like this? 
with your uh, was it quadruple siege thing. Um, look, it's it's there's not much you can do in whole ground. I think when you've positioned the 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 the, the bows, the, sorry, the blisters, sort of you know pointing out the thing in the middle. So it's quite hard. You you got to come to it, haven't you? So um, I, I was worried if there's no like blinding light or anything, trying to mitigate it. Um, I think. I, my, my, my worry was justified in, yeah. in what your uh, massive, what do we call it? Your lovely boulder or something. <laughs> what your lovely boulder yeah. isn't about. That's a nice boulder. That's a nice boulder, yeah. 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 So I mean, it's an incredible bit of kit for 160 points, isn't it? It's it fantastic. Is. It yeah. is. And, yeah. and yeah. particularly because um, early on I got some cracking shots. No, no, And I think, to be fair, you probably didn't quite, you didn't separate your troops down. You didn't have a four guy that can be. The, the drop no, can scatter no, onto, which no, I, I was definitely no, doing I against I you. I didn't, I didn't really think that was a thing, to be honest. Yeah. So I, no, I did. I just sort of neglected it. And, yeah. and um, that meant some yeah. uh, early first thing, first turn. I uh, managed to take uh, put take a fate off the siege weapon, kill one of the crew off yours, so you couldn't shoot that yeah. first turn because they were not prone. Second turn, I got a direct hit on Saruman, took three fate off Saruman, <laughs> knocked him off his yeah. horse, <laughs> and then uh, also killed probably six, maybe more. Uh, Urukai surrounding yeah. him. So yeah. those first two turns, and then even the siege bows did all right. Like the first couple of turns, they actually Absolutely, hit and killed yeah. the odd thing. So it did. was pretty nasty stuff. It, 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 it was, and I sort of thought, well, what I'm going to try and do is try and get like Gothmog in a place where I could just try and uh, shoot him to, to death. And it was kind of going that way. Um, but by the time we'd got into the middle, you'd taken out so much of my stuff from from the bows and things that I, every time I lost a guy, I really felt it. Yeah. I think you were losing two, and it was like, oh, whatever, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, because how many models did you have? Sorry, uh, 52, 52. So a seven model advantage. Yeah, but yeah, I was saying yeah. this early on. I, I've got 12, 13, including the troll, yeah, yeah. Um, actually just standing at the back line. So, yeah. so it, it is a bit it, like it's a kind of yeah, misnomer yeah, yeah. to say I'm outnumbering you a lot. But as we've said, yeah. those siege, the siege crew really yeah. did the work this time, and particularly because they distracted your um, contingent with Thryden and uh, is it three riders or four? Yeah, four. Four, four, four riders, four, two Crabane, yeah, and so, and so. they were, they came on the sort of side that was close-ish yeah. to the yeah. siege thing. So they then went round and then Thryden squiffed his first round of combat, which was crap. <laughs> and and yeah. um, you know the, then the trolls slowly chopped yeah. away through yeah. uh, one rider per turn. So it just meant that your big hit, one of your biggest hitters in the in the uh, uh, field was you know the only mounted hero you've got was was yeah. distracted and 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 also didn't do what he was distracted yeah, for which is, was a shame yeah, other than d- denying me some shots for yeah, a few and times. i think when thryden's losing a a, a com a, well heroic, is it heroic combat i think into just one orc or something you you probably know today's not yeah. going to be your day and you just have to sort of go yeah i've enjoyed it and uh, th- that's it really yeah. so <laughs> it, it was a shame that 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 particularly thryden <laughs> suffered but but i mean having said that you know, my my ones were doing a lot of damage, but after yeah. the initial turns where I knocked your guys over, your your siege bow and the particularly Saruman pulling yes. pulling Gothmog out, yeah, yeah, yeah. he, he yeah. pulled him into the middle. They got yeah. peppered with shots. The Wag got shot. Yeah. The um, uh, he got flung back a few times. Yeah, yeah, he yeah. he narrowly avoided um, taking yeah, a proper yeah, yeah. wound. He only uh, dodged out of the yeah. way because he just uh, yeah. basically wasn't in the game for yeah. very long. Sorry, did, did, did Gothmog? I don't, did he? I mean, did he actually get an action? Did he kill anything? I don't no, he didn't. He didn't get in combat even slightly. So he was completely out of the game for the whole thing. But I think crucially that that was because you'd spent Saruman, all of the Saruman, and yeah. a lot of the ballista yeah. shots went into him. So yeah. it was a kind of a fair trading point. Yeah, I think it was, and I think um, it's one of them, isn't it, where, you know, if and buts and that kind of stuff, but if I had a couple more in the middle, if I'd taken out Gothmog, the game could have gone different ways. So, um, as always, I, I, had a, I had a fairly good game, but um, I'm going to go and buy some more ballistas. My, my, my Mordor now, I think. So, yeah, um, well, I, I don't think that's a very sensible idea, generally. <laughs> no. I, I mean, I, I did, I've deployed them in such a way that, and the yeah, terrain yeah. favoured me in a way as yeah. well, that, 
that, that meant that I could just have a, th a, a three-pronged attack so that, like you say, there was nothing in the middle and I could just fire stuff and, and it did they did they definitely reaped reap the rewards and the scare the scare monk, uh, tactic was good also Lurtz took a bit long to get involved my ring wraith when he did get involved was absolutely yeah. instrumental because he had the magic and he managed to get saruman out of uh, um, be, uh, magic uh, transfix him for a turn so there were so many things that, that just sort of landed perfectly but it did end up being an eight nil uh, win to me so uh, i had just double the uh, uh well just well actually just shy of triple um i think only two more models or something like that to be triple in the centre but Saruman passed all three of his fate and survived the boulder to the head uh, Gothmog survived being launched through the, the crowd and being shot at quite a lot um, but no, so no woman died and I did break you as well so it's a uh, but I, I, you know I know it, it was I, I got some pretty good luck there so I ho hopefully you don't feel too bad about the, uh, no, the, the boulder no, it's, it's not like Harry it's your pure skill obviously uh, <laughs> you know, I'll take that let's stop there let's stop there I'll take that alright Dan uh, best of luck in the rest yeah, of the tournament you too, mate. Nice one. Nice game number three the final one of the day a final epic two hour and 40 minute one and we went right down to the final throws uh, of the match a great great way to end day one here on uh, the battle of unnumbered tears got camille camille hello. we've played before hello, hello. Yes, greetings greetings yeah. i'm trying to think i think the last time we played it was down in winchester was it so, yeah winchester yeah yeah, yeah. game and three or four we had the easterlings yeah i had easterlings you had the fellowship of the ring and it ended in a score draw in storm the camp exactly. it, after some really really <laughs> great play from you in the last turn i think it was it was brilliant and you're failing to roll for the courages yeah yeah okay. I wanted my Eastlings to run away. So this one, slightly different. Uh, I've got my Mordor horde, three siege bows, a catapult. What have you brought today? So I got the Mordor army. Obviously, I prefer to take the Legion, but Legion was banned. Yeah. So uh, Gothmog as a leader, Troll Chieftain, uh, Gorob, uh, Shaman, and obviously Gothmog Enforcer mm -hmm. with lots of troops and a... And a second troll as well. And a second troll, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah which, yeah, which yeah, is yeah, worth yeah. it because I think that the second troll probably meant that you had uh, spent a bit more on trolls and so therefore had fewer numbers, yeah. which actually came surprisingly uh, up, surprisingly often because I had the army bonus for basically the whole game. Um, not only because obviously I started with the shooting, I've got the siege bows, I've got the catapults, all that sort of stuff. Before we got into it, Laws of Battle, I deployed on my back line, uh, you deployed in the middle. What, what did you think? What, what, did you fancy your chances? So, never play against the siege weapons, so I was scared a little bit. Didn't know what to do exactly. But because I had a drum, I said, okay, I need two turns, drum it, and then we'll, we'll be in the combat. So, I was hoping you're not going to kill me that easily. <laughs> yeah, and I think... It and worked. It, 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 worked, it did yeah. work, yeah. I mean, I, I got two turns of shooting, and... I think I killed maybe two or three models uh, with the siege bows over the course of those two turns. Nothing, in, nothing, nothing interesting, yeah, nothing yeah, important, yeah, so it's fine, just a couple of troops. Uh, and then the catapult did some, that I think it took a fate point off something, or like yeah. it had a big, no, it had a big chance at the troll chieftain or the, in the first turn. Uh, and I, I got the five on the uh, scatter chart, roll, uh, spent the might to get it to a six. All it needed to do was get the, uh, the wound uh, and it failed to get the wound, so uh, I missed on that chance. But as the game developed, the, the catapult and the, the shenanigans from all of the siege weapons just really, really came to play. But crucially, I think, in the early turns, because you drummed basically right in front of me and uh, on a turn when you'd uh, won priority as well, because you were so worried about the, uh, the ballistas and stuff, that I could choose the first turns of combat. So I had quite a few combats in my favor i had my heroes charging in where you didn't have your heroes your trolls were quite far behind because they were on the drum so i think already you were suffering from the uh, disadvantage of numbers which may may have lent into what happened later yeah exactly because i was 200 almost 250 points behind mm. 
so it wasn't that easy. Plus, you had the raid, mm -hmm. so you could always transfix one of the trolls, and then he'll be far behind. Yeah. So it wasn't easy. It wasn't easy. It wasn't easy. But I mean, as the game developed, it started slowly turning towards you because once once my uh, my numbers were sort of not as good, your heroes were much better. Like Goroth, much killier. The troll chieftain, much killier. And also, we had this epic duel with Gothmog versus Gothmog. <laughs> and sadly, Gothmog didn't come out very well out of it. By that, I mean my own Gothmog because there was a troll in there as well. Exactly. I cheated a little bit. Yeah. yeah. I, I had the help from the troll, so that was, I think, game changer. Yeah, because I think that's. You had to strike. You yeah, had to I had strike. to because it was. Yeah, you, you had the fight seven. And I can easily heroic strike for free. Yeah. which didn't cost me a might, and the following turn you were out of might, yeah. I had a might, just yeah. in case if I yeah, needed Yeah, there were a couple of turns where I had to call the, the move first, um, I think I'd lost priority early on, uh, and therefore I'd, I'd drained Gothmog's resources, and the line had been separated a little bit, so the, the enforcer wasn't quite close enough, so I couldn't call it with him, and it was all slight bad placement here, there, and everywhere, but it just meant that the um, that my Gothmog went down quite early, um, sort of, you know, an hour in, out of this two-hour 40 game, which seems it seems ages ago since he died but um, as that developed I think because I just had so many models got, your Gothmog kind of got swamped a bit and it meant that he was always up against it having to spend might to try and win fights he managed to stay alive but it just meant that he couldn't get as many kills as you perhaps wanted and stuff like that yeah exactly I was always against five six guys so I was lucky if I was winning the combat yeah. didn't matter if I killed one or two but because of one fate mm. and he is your leader yeah. he was the main target probably for you yeah, just I, to kill him yeah I, I wanted to get the kill I, not, not only is he three wounds and a fate and a, a wag potentially as well he's the, the leader VPs and all that sort of stuff so it, all, it was all massive massive every single combat was important and came as, as often uh, games of Middle Earth do it came right down to the very final turn or the penultimate turn really was when, when there were some huge swings back in my favour I think I was leading the kill tally most of the way maybe by one or two but it, then you kill the hero uh, you kill Gothmog's enforcer and you Gothmog so you were picking it back up and maybe you took the lead a bit once you'd kill the three heroes but I dropped a cat I went screw it I'm going to go for it I fired my catapult into the troll which was surrounded by loads of stuff but I thought ah whatever if I'm, I'm, I'm behind already so what's it going to matter if I get the kill I get the kill and it was the perfect shot I hit on the four this shot after missing for most of the turns yeah that turn was a game changer. It really was. I got the, got the direct hit, the six, insta-killed the, the troll, which was huge, and then um, basically all of the people around it, the splash damage did nothing. It just knocked them all over, apart from, I think, one Moranon on your side, one Moranon on my side. So it was a completely even thing, except I took your troll out. And that, that was massive, because that, that troll would have killed more stuff. Uh, it was, it was, yeah, it was going to be pretty nasty. And then the very, very final turn... Um, I'd broken you because the troll had basically broken you, uh, and then and the troll chieftain had to take, take courage checks and all this sort of stuff. And even though my ring wraith, I decided the previous turn, spent all of my will to try and pop uh, a, a black data um, gothmog to try and get that that VP from the uh, leader wound because I'd already taken his fate off. He failed that, popped, and then your your stuff started running away. Uh, a couple of things in the last turn. Oh yeah, exactly. I, I was glad that there's no ring grave, so no minus one for the courage, but if you're rolling three or maybe four I roll for the troll chieftain, it's still not enough. Yeah, yeah. So they're only courage four or something like that, aren't they? So so that was another so massive swing. In two turns, so turn before when you hit with your siege, you kill the troll, that 
three VPs for yeah, you three, three and the troll chieftain. That's another three, another three, three. Yeah, yeah. And that was the that was VPs that was the swing. <laughs> it's all I needed. Yeah. And then I mean the other stuff was kind of we. I did have a good trap on Gothmog in the final turn, which you know could have gone either way if Gothmog had failed the roll off. He he won the fight and killed something. But but really it came down to just those two things, which sounds very lucky and it and it was. And um, I got in the end 39 kills. Uh, or including all the wounds and all that sort of stuff and Camille ended with 37 so it just shows he was actually really leading the way if those trolls had survived that final turn and got some kills in otherwise I was screwed so um, and that was just enough to, uh, to to manage to win the game out and I survived didn't break uh, uh, the final turn and uh, got the just the pip on that and uh, that was it so it was a 6-2 win you got the two VPs for killing the leader and I got uh, the 6 for the 3 and the 3 for being broken and unbroken as well so what a game though it literally it came was, down to the last yeah, turn like we had two games and every game we play it's like Till the last, yeah. till the last roll. I think that's always a, a sign of a good, a well-matched opponent. Yeah. Well, now I'm going to have to go and fight some like top table blokes that are hungover probably and tomorrow. I'll, and I will be chilling on the bottom yeah, table. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I don't know who really wins. <laughs> Either way, Camille, it's been a pleasure to play again, and, and I'm glad we've got an actual victory uh, on the cards rather than just a draw. But next time, I'm sure you'll take it. Yeah, I'll get my revenge. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers, Camille. Cheers. Cheers, mate. Thank you. So there you go, end of day number one at the Battle of Unnumbered Tears. Uh, the usual sort of stuff followed uh, after that single loss and two wins. Um, and, you know, we had like pizzas and, and had a couple of beers and then uh, that was pretty much it. And then we headed off to camp in the woods. And as I teased against earlier, it wasn't just me camping in the woods, nor was it just me and the battle camper, uh, of which you can follow on uh, the YouTubes. Uh, shout out to big Alex there. Um, there were some other people uh, descending on the woods, rumbling cars, lights shining late at night, because it seems that uh, there's a community of people who like a different kind of entertainment and activity on a Friday night and a Saturday night compared to me and my uh, campfire. <laughs> so... If you want to see some of this, there is some remarkable footage uh, of all of this kicking off um, on YouTube. Uh, just check out the Battle Games in Middle uh, YouTube channel, and uh, and of course, uh, yeah, it's 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 quite quite an eye opener, that's for sure. Um, anyway, so there we go. That was the uh, the first three games. Some fantastic games uh, on the uh, on the. Uh, on the podcast this one i really enjoyed it and amazingly i mean it's fair to say i was getting lucky like there's there's no doubt in my mind i was getting very lucky but i also think i wasn't playing terribly either the first game i did play badly against ali just a, a ridiculous uh, number of shots um uh, didn't particularly go go my to my uh, sorry a ridiculous number of shots sort of didn't scatter and do all the things that I'd want them to but that's fine it's just that when I try and uh, shoot at my own troops and they do all the damage that's a particularly annoying thing to happen um, but it was a bad play to do it I also played uh, chose my heroes poorly in terms of who uh, I wanted to uh, protect and uh, and stuff like that so um, you know such is life uh, an interesting one but either way the other two games I think I did okay. I mean, I got some lucky shots. Uh, there's the, again, but you're gonna have to. And you know, I was doing some maths about this, or I say I was doing some maths, mental arithmetic. Um, essentially, you got four siege weapons, right? Some things I've been trying to shoot through blinding light, and obviously some things I'm trying to scatter into sixes. But apparently, if you roll four dice, you've got a f basically just over a fifty percent 
chance, so it's like a, almost a 50, uh, I think it's 51 or 52% or something like that chance of getting a 6 on those four dice. So if i am got forced through a three siege bows and a, a siege uh, a catapult and they're all targeting one thing, chances are two, one in every two turns I should get a direct hit, right? Like that's all sort of a hit. And then, a, you know, one of each of those I should get a, a six every other turn, something like that. So it's kind of inevitable, right? Or thereabouts that I'm going to get quite a few sixes. Or that's the maths, I'll argue. I'm sure you'll write in with more experienced mathematics knowledge than I have. Uh, and then you'll prove me completely wrong. But either way, it's interesting that, um, that 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 is the case. And I've been getting some hits, and they've been winning me games. Will that continue? Let's find out as we ha- approach day number two of the Battle of Unnumbered Tears. Game number four. We're playing Divide and Conquer on uh, table 13 after uh, a night. Night in the camping. and Oh, oh it's all very exciting. I'll talk about that more the rest of the podcast. But uh, playing today against Jay. Not Jay Clare. Not Jay Acharya. But Jay Davidson. Uh, Jay Davidson. I, I, we've never met before. You're from North Wales. Is that right? North Wales. North Wales. It's all very exciting. And, and we're playing... Divine and Conquer is an objective-based game, and you have brought one of my least favourite armies, I'll be honest. I said it at the start of the game, and I said I might get frustrated in this one. Uh, Jay, give us a run-through of what you've got. So I have Pseudo Rise of the Necromancer. So obviously it's no legendary legions in the tournament, but I have Necromancer, seven of the Nazgul, and an extra of Azog to make up the points for a thousand points. Yeah, so a thousand points of the, the guys, and it's big, beefy hitters. Obviously in this one, in some ways, it's rare, but Azog's like the, the, the least survivable thing in your army, which is uh, probably never ever said about that in any other uh, kind of army. But this is also an objective game, so... First of all, you saw the siege weapons deploying in the corners and all this sort of stuff. How did you how did you feel going into this game? Did you did you have a strategy? Did you feel confident? What did you feel like? Well, I felt a bit anxious, mainly with Azog, because he was caught out by himself, and there's quite a bit of few angles. Mm. But with the nec- with Necromancer and his friends, it was mainly just trying to settle him up to try and block off the siege engine shots basically so you can just get hits on necromancer for free yeah yeah and that and that's kind of what what happens to you getting the in the ways and all that sort of stuff but also send the lingering shadow to one uh, to try and deal with two of the uh, the guys one way and the forsaken to deal with them the other way and all this sort of stuff but it was kind of a bit too slow in a way and that, that was no, no through no fault of your own because you went as quickly as you could but in the first few turns i managed to get some really nice hits with the um, siege ballistas on azog i think i launched him off his wag uh, and i don't think i did much damage to him those first couple of hits but uh, separating him from the wag was a big move quite early on yeah it's a having a white wag away from azog just removes a lot of his kill potential because mm. obviously he doesn't get his run downs and four attacks mm. But it was just trying to manoeuvre after you got locked down. Okay, just see if I can try and block you off from being able to abuse that situation. Yeah, and, and I think because because he was not prone again but not wounded, um, it meant that the meant that he was just taking longer than he could, would have done to get into the dead centre of the battlefield. So so you had Azog basically sort of stuck in this channel where he didn't really want to be for most of the uh, the thing, and then uh, a mob of guys descended on him. Gothmog had a go at him first uh, with a, a strike and all that sort of stuff. Didn't work, uh, went badly for Gothmog, but he survived, uh, and then um, after that, because I think 
I'd heroic combated into him essentially uh, once, uh, and the strike didn't roll as high and all this sort of stuff. Anyway, I got from, but he was prone by that point, so I was able to. Uh, I was able to uh, charge him without sort of any risk, but then Gothmug scarpered, uh, and after that it was kind of the, the 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 nine arrived, or the remainder of the nine arrived in the centre, and it was all this big sort of mess trying to uh, take the central objective. So the divine and conquers the four corner ones, but there's three objectives in the middle, and um, I guess I got there quicker basically. That was it, and I had a lot of bodies in there, so it was really hard for you. Yeah, you, yeah, it's quite awkward trying to obviously move up in sport, especially as you have a lot of a lot of bodies, which can help just zoom me out it was mainly just trying to push through get through any gaps that I could mm. and just push any advantages just to get my way into to stop get rid of objectives yeah exactly and and I think I, I, I've played because I've played this this legion or the, the army generally so often uh, recently it feels like I do it every tournament that I kind of know that there's no point trying to pile in on it and, and try and win fights and kill stuff. I just want to shield against it if I can to just stop you, especially in an objective game, hopping over my lines and getting into places where you're actually threatening the objectives early on and killing the models on the objective. So uh, even now, looking at the, the sort of end thing, there's like a crossroads in the centre and, and m- most of your stuff is kind of about six inches away from the central objective, which is worth those five points, which is a big deal. Um, so so it, it just felt like I was kind of help, helpfully pinning you in place and Again, the, the siege weapon's brilliant at doing that as well because I'd sent the catapult at the Necromancer a couple of times and knocked a load of people over twice, I think. So slowing you down, so because it, it was an objective game, slowing you down was pretty instrumental. Yeah, definitely. The catapult game, like the first two hits directly, just knocking everybody down, was a bit of a issue for me to deal with. Mm. But and it chipped some fate off as well, yeah. Yeah, chipped off some uh, will off the Necromancer. But even despite that, it was just a case of Okay, get back up, just keep on moving as much as best I can to just contest and then try and force my way in, into just stopping you. Yeah, and I, th- I think, to be fair, I, I probably had... Uh, I, I mean, a lot. I de- didn't win any roll-offs for the, the priority, or maybe one, uh, which was which is bad. But then I got some incredible courage rolls to pin the necromancer chips and will off that way. Um, and your slayer of men was uh, were, were very poor at killing stuff. Like they're the burly ones, and they're meant to get a plus one to wound, but they seem to always be rolling ones and twos. So it was. I, it, who knows what would have happened if they'd had performed as as well as you would expect? But um, either way, it's yeah. I guess that we had we each had our fair share of bad luck yeah. and, and luck. We both had our different things that end up helping. Catapult just getting a few good good amount of will off the necromancer. Stayers not being able to do their jobs as well on bashing people, mm. having a bit of a sleeper day. Yeah, yeah. But even then, I still think it went pretty damn well, yeah. all situations considered. Yeah, exactly. So I eventually managed to kill Azog, but he wasn't the leader. It was uh, the necromancer, understandably, with all that uh, extra will uh, and high defence and all that sort of stuff. But um, Gothmog survived by the skin of his teeth with, I think, one rune, wound and no fate and no will and all that sort of stuff, or maybe two wounds uh, remaining. And he very he didn't really get targeted by magic as much as I thought. You took his will, uh, his, um, his warg out, which is probably sensible, um, but... Uh, he survived to the end of the game, so no kill points for that. No kill points for, but you did wound him, so you get a point for that. Uh, no kill points for me getting to the necromancer down to two will. Yeah, two, two will. will. That's close, so close. Um, but I think, having said that, if I, if there were more turns of combat, um, your guys were slowly mopping up. None of them died uh, even in the last turn, um, so it was uh, it was 
it was not going to go my way if, if we had many more turns of it. But um, I did manage to just pip uh, each of the objectives. So uh, one lingering shadow was completely dominated by eight or something Moranans. Um, the uh, the central objective, there's only one, was it Slayer of Men and maybe the, the other Slayer of Men in the vicinity, but had that one easily. And it was just Gerritz and uh, three other dudes holding firm against uh, against three other ring race. So just pip that one for a 5-2 win. So incredibly close game Jay I mean very, really very really really close and, and really tactical as well really interesting to, to play against um, the, the, the Legion again I, I hate it I really do hate, hate the ring race because you just never kill anything but um, but it's, it's always difficult and it's always, it's always a good thinker of a game isn't it yeah absolutely it was definitely just one of those okay I need to try and think of who moves where specifically try and keep off my necromancer for example yeah yeah and you did a really good job of shielding him off because I, I, there was only like often one or two Moranans that could uh, d- get a charge in, and um, the, the the courage Mordor courage bonus just helped me a couple of times get into it. Yes, that Mordor courage bonus end up helping quite a lot. Yeah, yeah. Once we realised it existed. Yeah, <laughs> so I've forgotten about it. Yeah. Yeah, end up forgetting it for a few turns, realised it existed, and then he started getting them quite in a bit, but. It was just a really nice close game. Yeah, brilliant. Well, Jay, um, best of luck for the rest of the tournament. Um, I, I'd imagine it puts you on two for two. So, um, so because I'm on now three for one. So we'll see how it goes. Best of luck. Maybe we'll uh, we'll see you, see you again yeah. at another tournament. Yeah, hope you'll probably see me again in the future. When that is, we'll see. We'll see. Thank you very much. Uh, okay, so game number five, I assume it was. Yes, it was. And what a dizzying, dizzying game this is. I'm at, I'm at the heights of table number nine here today, um, playing against Pete, Pete Harvey. And um, Pete, I, I'm trying to think whether we played before. I, I, th- I can't remember where it was. It was at Nathan's event. Uh, oh, yes, that's right. Yeah, so the little Grantham event, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lovely, lovely stuff. I can't remember what you had there. It was spidery batty nonsense again. Spidery batty nonsense. Oh, things, funny yeah. that. Well, <laughs> you've kind of given the game away now. But what, what is the, uh, what's the army you've brought here for uh, Unnumbered Tears? A thousand points gives you a lot of choice. What have you got? So there is no Witch King, uh, but it's a very thematic list, I think you'd agree. Uh, so it's a yellow, a yellow mix. I've got the Dragon Emperor with 12 of the Acolyte Ninja Dudes. Um, we've got the Shadow Lord who was quite important. Uh, he's got a bunch of Black Numenorians and a few trackers. Uh, there is Shelob. Um, and then to enrage Shelob, we've got Druzag um, with a bunch of Goblin Spears and a bat. And Durbers, so I can bring Druzag with a bunch of Goblin Spears and a bat and a couple of Falwogs just to round it off. And how many models? 54. And you had a captain as well, Goblin Captain. Oh, Goblin Captain. Forgot about him. Which is kind of, yeah, sort yeah. of important. So we're playing uh, Assassination in this one. So I've got to choose an assassin to kill a target on the uh, on Pete's side, and he's got to do the opposite. So we'll, we'll try and keep that secret for, for a while. But first of all, I've got three siege, uh, three siege bows and the catapult. Um, and you've got, obviously, you've got uh, the Shadow Lord. When you started this game, what, what did you think? Did you fancy your chances? Not, not massively. I mean, I'm always scared about Shelob because she's got no fate and she hates siege weapons and there are four of them. I just faced one and that was miserable enough and now four in this game. And I, it's the first time I've used the Dragon Emperor, first time I've used Shadow Lord and first time I've used Shelob. And I'm struggling with the whole trying to like bubble everyone. You don't want everyone bubbled for siege weapons, but you need it for the Shadow Lords. Opposite of Blinding Light, whatever you call it. Um, and so, yeah, getting everyone in position and actually making a battle line is really difficult. And especially this table in particular, I deployed right at the back with my siege bows in, uh, in a gun line, but essentially in the uh, catapult in the corner. And it's got these like little blobs of rocks, like, these sort of little, they look great to be fair, but they really disrupt your line as you came in. So it's quite a disruptive uh, sort of battlefield for that sort of stuff. So you marched a couple of times with your captain and, and, and 
came forward. But basically, it was all down to my luck. Uh, if, if I didn't get any hits uh, for the first three turns and kill anything, then, uh, you know, it, you, your army is probably better than mine by a, a significant margin, I think. Um, but by forcing you to march, it disrupts the flow. I got some good hits early on um, with a re-roll and a, a, a couple of points I might spend knocking a lot of stuff over, again disrupting it, which gives me another turn of shooting. So I think in the first couple of turns, I know I killed something like five acolytes in one shot, which was insane. Yeah, yeah you killed a bunch of acolytes. You knocked the goblin captain on his butt, so when he did his next march, he could only go five inches or five and a half, whatever it is. Um, yeah, and it was it was terrifying coming in because you were rolling a lot of sixes on the way in. I think the luck balanced out across the game, but yeah, it was pretty scary, like, yeah. march up. So, so your, your intention, I guess, just slam into me as quickly as possible, right? Pretty much. I didn't know what else to do with the siege weapons, just run, run forward. Well, I did say at the beginning that I could have kind of come around the back of a house through some trees and wiggled around, but it would have taken about an hour and a half of moving to, to yeah. avoid a few shots, so I didn't bother. Yeah, and, and even all that time I'd have been yeah, firing yeah. a catapult at you. and I mean, you, you didn't even bother to, to try and take the catapult out. I did wonder at one point whether Shelob would just climb over some rocks and start munching up uh, siege crews, because there's a little boulder with one of my siege crew uh, uh, Mordor bows on there, and behind that big boulder was the um, was the, the catapult. But I guess you just needed Shelob so often. Like, like You did some really, really cool hurls like there was a, a big big instrumental hurl which disrupted everything at one point tell us about yeah so i tried to we both talked to you you'd kind of tried to block a hill on the previous turn to make sure that like gothmark couldn't be knocked off his wag that worked out well so i just left where i was but then i did a heroic combat with Druzaga, acolyte and shelob in just to set up a huge hurl what was it the, the guy that got flung hit had to took he survived the strength six but took 12 strength three hits so that's how that's how effective the hell was and i think another f- Three, four of your guys and two of my guys died, I think, yeah. from the hill and knocked Gothmog off his walk. So, and it also yeah. knocked uh, Guritz over, or was it the, unfor- the, no, the Enforcer? Yeah. Uh, and that, yeah, yeah, actually, yeah. I didn't realise this, because yeah, yeah. if you'd have rolled higher on it, you'd have got Guritz, yeah. which uh, was another hero, which was important. And you also backed Derbers away from the, the fight, so you did one fight first so that so that he could back, or you thought, if I lose, I could back away and all this sort of stuff. Um, and he did back away, but he took a wound in the process, but he did back away. So uh, all this time, all of these heroes are taking wounds here, left, right and centre. I'm throwing bolts at you and and the emperor i feel like maybe he was just caught behind the line and didn't really get to get to do anything i find him so difficult to work with i don't know if you found uh, that, that as well that's the fifth game where i found he's just stuck behind the line but he's such a good like the 12 inch banner is so powerful on its own it's not necessarily the end of the world him just being sat, sat there and not doing much but it does does feel a bit underused a lot of the time yeah and, and because of the disruptive line and that you kind of wanting to march forward and all this sort of stuff he had to negotiate his way through these rocks it was it was it wasn't easy but i mean by the time He's always brilliant in the end game because he's just got this absolute monster just chopping stuff, reliably killing things at the break point, uh, trying to get people past the break point and stuff like that. So, I mean, it did eventually lead to, to me breaking you a, cup, uh, a turn or two before the end, um, uh, which, which was good. So, uh, and I'd, in the meantime, I'd done some cheeky black darts from uh, the ring wraith and I'd done some uh, shots to try and disrupt things and uh, try and get um, knock people over. And, and just, but generally, I think it was just my... And early on, I did my Gothmog had um, heroic combat through the Black Numenorians with Time of the Orc and the Hatred of Man and all these sorts of things and was killing loads of those guys, the Acolytes had all that. So I think it was just the fact that you had quite a lot of goblins still left over. But So your line was kind of falling but you still had a lot more tricks whereas my hero started going down Gothmog went down I can't remember how he died actually what was it, it was it Shelob in the end it was Shelob and a bat yeah after he'd been yeah I won a roll off for, for a, move, a move off yeah, got into got into Gothmog with an Emery, Shelob and the bat, and yeah. and actually it was important because Gothmog dismounted to avoid the hurl. Yeah. So I thought if yeah, you yeah. if you'd have hurled at me, I'd 
there was no way of getting out there uh, of this gap so I dismounted so I could get through a gap so that he wasn't knocked over but I think I got over eager and I pushed him a bit through the line so he was then able to be charged the next turn if I'd have won the roll off it would have been fine but I didn't if I, I didn't need to put him where he was because you know it, it was it was a bit of a risky move so he died lost my leader I never really touched the dragon emperor in terms of shooting because I had other priorities essentially I knew I have one person that I need to kill and I will kill that person and that uh, as a reveal as we're just about announcing at the end we've got a captain that I killed and we'll find out what's going on here so final thoughts uh, the, I think I was talking about the goblin captain can't remember we were interrupted for a, a very serious sounding announcement yeah. about uh, something about the, the minus one tournament point for not submitting your printed army list we'll skip over that anyway the uh, Crucially, I had targeted the Goblin Captain as my assassination target, and my assassin was the Ringwraith, and in the early turns, because your Goblin Captain was marching forward, leading the pack, I managed to get a hit on it with something, and then was worried that I might insta-kill it with the bolt blower, uh, but then uh, I managed to black dart him to death, um, securing me the strong seven-point start, so I knew I had, it was all about making sure my heroes didn't die, and uh, I tried it quite a lot of times to pull the, the Enforcer and Guritz back, so I realised they'd overcommitted and you were trying your hardest to kill them weren't you yeah you they kept moving where i didn't want them to move um and yeah i should have on hindsight not fated the siege bow shot that my captain took and that would have denied you four points or something Mm -hmm. four points uh i did manage to get into gothmog's enforcer with derbers who happened to be my assassin and the uh and the emperor um unfortunately and and murdered him unfortunately Mm -hmm. he was not my target Mm -hmm. uh and then i had one shot at guritz with the emperor uh, you spent a mite to save the fate to keep him on one wound. So yeah. I got a wound on him, but he then he ran away. You got the next, the final move off of the game, got him safe. So I just, uh, what was it, 10-3? 10-3, uh, yes, because you killed my leader. So um, I, one question, I would have used the Shadow Lord uh, as the assassin or maybe some, something like that, or maybe even just uh, when you realised you were going to struggle to get to him with Derbers, black darted him with the Shadow Lord, why didn't you do that? Uh, I did try once. Oh, you did once, yeah. <laughs> but that was only when you had two will left and you spent one on it. So, well, because he had to, I had to make sure he had will for the the pall of darkness because yeah, all yeah. your siege weapons that I and I just don't trust on someone who's not the witch king. I just don't trust black darts. I mean, you put a lot of faith in it and it worked out really well. But yeah. I've had, I mean, he, I, I, he thought, failed, I think I did two and they both failed. I, I, yeah, that's fair. I think I think um, Guritz Gir- probably has more will than uh, uh, Guritz only has one will, but the captain, I thought, well. I'm probably going to get a, yeah, yeah. I'm going to get a kill with him, uh, even if I just do target. I don't need my ring rate for anything else, really. So that was uh, so. Yeah, it did. It won me ten three, which means I'm on a ridiculous four wins and one loss for the final round of the tournament. So uh, best of luck for you, yeah, uh, and uh, we'll see what happens. Yeah, go for the podium. Yeah, woo woo. <laughs> So, as we approach the final game, I thought I'd just interrupt the flow of battle uh, for a brief respite because this is getting ridiculous. So, obviously, started the tournament, Fog of War against Alistair King, former league champion, uh, you know, respectable person to lose a game against, 12-3 loss, um, made some pretty stupid mistakes like choosing the wrong people to a target and and the wrong people to protect, etc, etc, and also shooting bows, uh, siege bows at myself bad idea played against dan lovely dan wonderful game against dan uh, got some uh, early early advantages by shooting uh, his siege crew away with the catapult uh, and uh, knocking um, saruman off his horse to reduce his magical potency um, that was a good 8-0 win and hold ground then played against camille uh, camille had uh, the sort of the uh, it, it was basically the battle uh, sort of battle the the black gate list 
but without the sort of special bonuses for the black gate so we had the you know the big um uh, the big uh, troll chief doing a troll uh, and some of the better heroes like Goroth is better than uh, some of mine like Guritz and uh, the Enforcer so that's, uh, I think he did have the Enforcer actually uh, but he had, rather than uh, Guritz, he had Goroth who's a bit bit more killy. Uh, that was Lords of Battle and I won very, very narrowly <coughs> excuse me uh, very, very narrowly uh, 6-2 win, yes, it sounds big on the page but I only won by two models in the Lords of Battle kill t- count and those two models, um, uh, you know, basically were secured by a lucky uh, hit of a, on a direct hit on a troll because it was the three wounds taken immediately off that one troll essentially secured me the win. Uh, uh, there were a couple of other things that happened as well uh, around the same turns, by the way. That's, that was the big one I remembered. 60 win for him. Then, earlier on today, Jay Davidson. Jay Davidson uh, had the Necromancer. Funnily enough, uh, we were talking about Geordie earlier on in the podcast who brought up um, the way of playing the Necromancer, which is a little less oppressive using uh, just the Witch King, or sorry, the, yeah, the Witch King and various other ring raids leading Gundabads and stuff um, being a bit more fun. Managed to squeak a 5-2 win against him, although it was only two points of will off killing the Necromancer as well in uh, Divine and Conquer. Uh, objective-based game, I, I did quite well I think to just not die um, although I got again a bit lucky uh, you have to have some luck I suppose but I, d- I definitely didn't throw any of these games away which is great uh, finally uh, just finished that game against Pete uh, and his absolutely ridiculous filth-tastic list of the Dragon Emperor Shadow Lord, Durber, Shelob Captain and a Druzak and although I definitely got lucky in this game and there's absolutely no doubt in my mind that the kill my shooting was on fire like i took out a lot of pete's um what they called uh, the uh, dagger throwing ninjury types uh, the what are they call it i used to play these guys a lot you're shouting at the 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 radio the headphones what are they called anyway the uh, the um god it's really getting on my nerves now what the hell are they called hold on let me pause it that's it dragon cult acolytes god i can't believe it i, I didn't quite get to googling it but i did pause and just <laughs> just try and look, look on my phone anyway uh, dragon cult acolytes. i got loads of the acolytes um with like a couple of quite good shooting hits so i guess they could have just churned through um, my troops easier and opened some gaps to be able to uh, allow pete to kill his target but crucially i did the thing that i was i've just so reluctantly never really done in the past chosen the target that's easiest to kill in assassination with the character that's easiest that's most likely to kill it and i know that sounds like a really obvious thing to do but the amount of times i've done it and i'm sure other people do it because i've seen them do it against me that they've kind of done all this mind games nonsense where you think you know i I don't know say for example all right it's uh, the i've got the um the the uh, the ring race I'm, i'm using to try and kill the captain but what i do is i'll spend a quick black dart on druzag first or a quick black dart on durbers first because then they'll think that i'm targeting durbers no no don't do that it's a stupid idea I've, I've you know i've fallen into that trap so many times and then gotten to the last turn and i've spent two um will or whatever on a, a, a pointless um black dart and durbers early on and then I really need that will later on to try and kill my actual target. So this time, I went, you know what, I'm going to try and kill the captain. And what I did was, I tried to kill the captain with the guy who could try and kill it. And you know what, he did it. And he secured me seven points early on in the game. And I knew from then on, all I need to do is try and avoid losing any of my heroes. And I tried my damnedest to do it. I was very lucky in the sense that... Um, 
uh, he ju- the, the just Pete just couldn't crack through. But still, I, I played it right. I played it absolutely right in this one. And um, very few of my I don't think any of my heroes looking. Um, I just Gothmog died. I think was that it. I might have had some of the other. I've, I've not crossed them off as dead on the list, but that's probably just because I haven't crossed them off. But um, either way, most of my heroes uh, that needed to survive survived, which is brilliant. And I think I did really well to do that. And and uh, obviously the line just held uh, again because I had the I had the firepower. And it was bringing people to me. So uh, you're probably doing this in the same mode as me, unless you've already watched the the video where you can see the footage of some of these uh, guys in action, uh, not the guys themselves, because uh, people don't want to see uh, see nerds, do they? They don't want to see toy soldiers. <laughs> anyway, uh, no, I'm joking. Uh, all of the guys that I played against were absolutely delightful, attractive human beings, I must say. Uh, but their armies are lovely, so it's nice to see a bit of that. Uh, so do have a che- uh, check them out on the old YouTubes if you want to see their armies in action. But I've gone into this. I've got one loss at the start of the tournament. So this is, by definition, submarining. I've got four consecutive wins now. Four in a row with four siege catapults, uh, so siege weapons, a catapult and three siege boats. What on God's good earth is going on here? There's no reason I should be doing it. I've been fighting against, you know, I fought against the Shadow Lord, I've fought against other siege weapons, you know, like I've fought against heroes that don't die, and yet here I am. The, uh, the tail end of a tournament with one game remaining and I'm playing on like the top tables I think it's top table 5 this is ridiculous so we're going into the final round against Larry Vickers in a game of to the death and if I win this by a big enough margin I've got a spot on the podium because I'm I, 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 it's, it's going to happen right like you, you've if I win a 12-0 victory here against Larry, I've got a spot on the podium. It's pretty much guaranteed because I'll have had five... I'll just have enough because I've got a 10-3 win just now. I've got an 8-0 win earlier on, a 6-2 win, not so good, 5-2 win, not so good. Um, but still, I've got some solid wins. If I get a good enough one, I could be on the podium. Let's find out what happens. Final game of the Battle of Unnumbered Tears. It's been a lot of two and an hour 40 games. It's been a tricky tournament with my four siege weapons coming up against Larry Vickers on table number five. Would you believe it? I managed to find myself here. I, I'm, I'm as shocked as you are. Uh, Larry, first of all, um, I, I think we've played... No, we haven't played before. No, we've, we've, but we've talked before uh, because you've won tournaments before uh, with... Hobbity, hobbity stuff. Yeah, one, and then came second with another. Yeah, and is that uh, so? Just let's just run through uh, what you've got for a thousand points. More hobbity goodness. What have you brought along along for the tournament this weekend? So I brought Mary with fifteen brandy books, Pippin with fifteen Turkish hunters, Galadriel with a bunch of elves. She had a full warband, a farmer maggot, whole foot with some sheriffs, and then a fellowship Boromir and Frodo for Frodo. a ring. Of course, for the ring. And first of all, you know, you're coming up against three siege weapons, catapult, we're playing to the death. So this is one where I don't have to deploy in the middle or any of those sorts of things. What did you think when you come up against it? That you wouldn't roll as many sixes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, come on, you can't just start, start on that. But no, I, it, it, it's fair enough. I mean, like, obviously they're intimidating, but you have got blinding lights. So I guess you're quite confident going into it, right? Not confident, because it's an uphill battle from the beginning, because... The whole point with the hobbits is you outnumber and yeah. you need to swarm. The elves are there. That I get two hobbits on one guy with an elf. 
I usually I win, and the hobbits are deceptively killy, especially mm. the branded books with Pierce striking up to strength four. Yeah, it's madness. Strength four hobbits, mad. You loved it. I, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm mean, for you. No, yeah. Well, yeah. They, they I, I think to be fair, I, I'd killed quite a lot of them before we we got into combat. And yeah. as you alluded to, um, essentially this game came down to the fact that within the first, I mean, how many turns it took? Obviously, your march is slower than some armies, and then I started disrupting things straight away with the uh, with the um, uh, the drop of the siege weapons and stuff. But I think it was. I, I've written it down in my notes because I just thought this was absolutely mad. Um, I wrote along the wrong page. Yeah, 23 uh, hobbits died in the first, or, or not just hobbits, but other stuff as well, uh, died in the first two turns of shooting, you want to say? Three, I think. Three, yeah, maybe three. three. Uh, it, six and then five. Yeah, and then an exchange of, uh, se- so in exchange for basically seven um, yeah. kills in return. <laughs> not so enough. Not, not Not anywhere near enough. And I think, <clears throat> essentially, you know, I got two direct hits with the, th- uh, with the catapult, um, which helped, uh, it's fair to say. Um, and, and, and I guess because of the blinding light, and we found this in the previous game of the Pall of Darkness, that if you if you do get into that um, blinding light, you do get that hit of the six. Everything is so close together, and it really is brutal. Yeah, yeah it is. It's horrendous. Like your the siege bows didn't really do much. They took Mary off his horse, off yeah. his pony. And I think I got another uh, a string with maybe three or four hobbits at one point. Uh, yeah, the last maybe the last shot. One of your shooting, I think you killed three and took yeah. a pony. The harsh part was the catapult. Yeah. The re rolls against blinding light. It's just. Exceptional. Yeah. It's just, it's just, it helps. It your averages just shoot up, and yeah, you got you killed a lot on the way in. Mm. And I guess because hobbits are, are relatively easy to kill with a defense five, uh, sorry, a strength five um, splash damage, which is great. I sadly never got the hit uh, direct hit on Boromir, which I was I aimed for about three times. Did get Galadriel, took some fate off her, but that wasn't enough in the end. I think it was only two fate, was it? Yeah, or two, yeah. two fate. So uh, of course she's rollable uh, fate, so she was fine. Um, but basically, it meant that by the time the lines clashed, um, my fifty nine models uh, dropped down to um, to what was it, fifty two, and your sixty nine models had dropped down down to 43 or something like that 40, so horrendous yeah. either way so I, I had an advantage I, I guess and then and your, your heroes aren't, aren't great especially because Boromir really really fluffed it I mean not just fluffed it but cataclysmically fluffed it in the first turn of combat he's been he was good in one game in the entire weekend mm. but this one quadruple one it was heartbreaking. Yeah. Because you were only nine off breaking. Yeah. And by the end of the game. Yeah. By the end of the game. And fluffing that meant I probably lost four kills. Yeah. And then the, and the momentum going forward. And the, the following turn, I black dyed his horse. Um, so he was, and I, I think, did you roll a one for the, the, the falling off the horse? No, you didn't, no, you didn't do that. It three, was a three, yeah. it was fine. But either way, it meant that uh, Boromir was then able to not strike the next turn. And then I think the following turn, something else annoying happened. Maybe I mobilized him, I can't remember. But either way, it was, it was pretty rough. And then, um, but when, when your stuff did start getting into combat, you had your uh, Frodo finally arrived with the ring and he started using his ring on Gothmog in combination with the Fight Six Pikes. You can see the potential and, and if you had a lot more models, it would have been horrible to face. Well, Gothmog was... How many wounds did he have left? I think it was one, I think. Uh, I can't read it upside down. No, he's only taken one, but... No, no, he's taken two, so he had one wound left, yeah. Yeah, so... No fate. Fl- he lost his uh, wag quite early on, I think. Yeah. Oh, no, no, he didn't. He didn't. He kept no, his wag. dismounted. Yeah, which we can come to in a second, yeah. <laughs> but no, I managed to... You, you charged in, 
No, you didn't. I charged you, didn't I? Yeah, yeah. Managed to get a charge off with Frodo because of the ring, which it, it's... Oh, no, no. I, yeah, I charged something else and you just zooped pulled, through the lines because yeah. he's invisible. Yeah, yeah. But the invis- yeah. it's brutal, especially when you can get it off. And then I've got fight six on Galadrian Court. And that's the thing that does it, yeah. It's, it's, I, there's nothing I can do against that. Yeah. No, because even if you strike, I've still got fight six. Yeah, yeah. And I got two turns of it, so I was probably unlucky to not kill him. I yeah, think, I, think I, I think the first... You didn't have him trapped either All turn. of the damage he took different. was the first turn. Yeah, yeah. The second turn, he took nothing. Anything. Yeah, because he's, he's defence seven, so it's... So he's, and because you didn't have any of the battling brandy books in the combat, that made a big difference. You had yeah, some stabbers had and stuff like that, yeah. yeah. And so, so he did... He, he did get lucky and then of course later as I've mentioned and actually you, you kindly let me do this because uh, I sort of I was like oh I need to get him out and he's backed into s- some models and I was thinking fucking hell what, how do I do this and I, I, re- and I realised after I'd moved some other models oh I can dismount and go through this gap and, then, and you were kind enough to do that which, which is a generous thing to do in a situation where actually one more turn you could kill my leader and, it, and to the death it's important that you kill leaders well yeah but you'd moved two models so no biggie yeah. just but are these top, these top tables? I, I don't know. I don't know what it's like. In a table five, I assume people are going to be horrible. I'm not used to it. So. <laughs> You're not used to it either. Nice. Yeah. Uh, but either way, I mean, uh, as, it, as it all sort of descended, you, you broke, but it didn't really matter because you've got Galadriel, who's never going to run away, basically. And not with Scourge 7. No, with the horn. exactly. And Elves and the Horn. I didn't forget that. But I forgot Two about horns. that. Two Horns. Oh, God, yeah. Uh, technically three because Boromir has one. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, it's just constant tooting. Um, uh, so, so basically, that, that's kind of how it rubbed out. The, although you had the, the majority of the sort of the fights, uh, you, the first turn of combat, I think, against the um, Hobbits when I did sort of push forward after shooting a lot, because um, you, you were starting to chip away at my guys with your shooting, I, I bumped into your line and nothing of yours died. And I thought, oh my God, if this carries on like this, it's going to be horrendous. But slowly the heroes chopped through and I got around the edges and I started trapping and doing all that sort of stuff. And then it did wear you down to uh, breaking. You were quite a few models off. It Was it five or six models off the quarter or four or five? Something like that. It wasn't a lot. 20 left at the so, end. Yeah, so three. Three, three models off the quarter. So very, really close. Uh, I was about nine models off breaking. Um, and you, as we mentioned, Dothmog escaped by the skin of his teeth. So he survived. Almost got your banner. You d- oh yes, that's that's of course I've forgotten the other VPs of the banner, and I've completely forgotten about yeah, that. I, I had a good few chances at the banner as well, and I just I just didn't really I, do it. That's why I was being very. I made sure that I put some spears on him. Yeah, not just spears, pikes, <laughs> two pikes, uh, which is fair enough. I did in the last turn. Yeah, and then the very very last turn, you had uh, Frodo uh, with the ring on against the banner, and and luckily I had the priority, so I could choose a lot of different stuff so that he wasn't trapped and so that yeah it was basically a one-on-one fight uh, in that way so so I, he managed to escape there just just purely because he's defense six banner which is handy yeah i got unlucky not getting the enforcer to move away with a oh yes yes because you you were hoping to be able to trap and surround the banner a bit more but uh, i think you tried both a command and a, a sentinel thing is yeah that right? i rolled a five high and yeah. you passed your will check yeah and then you had two will left yeah. yeah which you burned on it and I think the Sentinel, you, you oh, yeah, passed yeah, that. That's a double five courage, yeah. It was, it, I, I, there's, there's lots of things that, that definitely went my way. I mean, Boromir flubbing a quadruple one is, is horrendous. Just the general, the number of hits, hits I got on the six. But, you know, such is life. And, and I found myself in a very, very strange position of actually doing quite well at this tournament. I've <laughs> got, uh, I think, well, Good thank game. you. Thank you. It was a 6-2 win to me in the end, Larry. And uh, I've never faced up against this, but I can definitely see why you've found yourself on the top tables. It's a, it's a hard list to, to face up against. Yeah, I'm enjoying well it. Well done building it, so. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Had some good. help. But yeah. it's just different. You don't see... Hobbits are presumed to be bad, mm. but they are deceptively killer. You get Burley on the Sheriffs within three yeah. of Holfort. Yeah. Especially when, with the ally matrix, you lose Woodland Creature and Resistant on Lothlorien, but 
Yeah, but you're getting Galadriel and you're getting Boromir yeah. and Fel- uh, Frodo and the ring and there's lots of good stuff in there. Yeah. At 800 points, I don't take Boromir, Frodo or Farmer Maggot. So I'm still at 66 models. No, 60... Free, yeah, whatever that is, yeah, and it's just filthy. And and your shooting, I mean, I I was very lucky in one of the turns to when you were shooting, you were really starting to chip away at stuff. Maybe maybe two or three models in one of the shooting phases. But my my trebuchet or one of the bolt furs, I can't remember, <laughs> yes. killed loads of your your trebuchet. archers, uh, and it was and that kind of leveled things out a bit. And I was less worried about it after that. But it's a it's a shooty list as well. I mean, you must have something like twenty bows, is that 21. right? Twenty one, yeah, twenty one self bows as well. So yeah, nasty. Well, Larry, either way, it was a cracking game, a really really tricky one to end on. Um, I did definitely get some. Uh, uh, some good lucky hits there but uh, as you say yeah he played well it was, it was I, a very fun game great well thank you very much Larry appreciate it and uh, hopefully hopefully haven't sort of plummeted off because I definitely feel like you deserve a, a high placing for this list it's, you've done really well all of my wins have been very low VP difference uh, so well we will fine. remember here on yeah. anyway. we will remember <laughs> that you did a very very good uh, uh, tournament and uh, I, thank you very much for the final game no, thank you Holy mother trucker. I did it. I got I got it. Five wins. Five wins and one loss at the time. That is so ridiculous. Sorry, I've just never... I, this is fantastic. And you know what I love most about this? Yeah, look, look. Let's put it aside to the fact that Larry got absolutely thumped by bad luck here. It was nothing to do with skill on my part. Genuinely and wholeheartedly ridiculous look on my behalf he's got blinding light managed still managed to kill 23 models in exchange for seven in two turns i mean those odds are just i mean i did talk about the chance of getting sixes earlier is still you know just over 50 percent per turn but still i've got hitting eyes not direct hits i've got a couple of them but anyway like I, i got the win and look at that five wins and a loss and you know what i i don't i don't often gloat because i usually come bottom or you know like somewhere in the middle where you know nobody's impressed by that but i'm gonna i'm gonna gloat look i did well here i did well and with an army where, which had no right to do well or maybe it did maybe four siege weapons is just good maybe just having lots of siege bows is really good i mean i've I've put i set aside right when i was building the army the reasons why i thought these missions would help me a little bit and the reasons of the missions have been good to the death great one for me uh, assassination great one for me uh the divide and conquer not so bad for me i've got a lot of models 59 models um i don't know whether i said that at the start when i was building an army list but anyway i have 59 models including the siege bows so yeah it's gonna be hard for me to break and i'm gonna break i'm gonna have a lot of guys on the table you know that's good uh lords of battle pretty good for me because i can just stand at the back and shoot stuff uh, great hold ground not so bad for me i've got a big army um and fog of war you know it would it should really have been a good one for me but i just played it badly so i i guess everything's sort of lined up right the look has definitely been on my side i there are taunt there are instances where this tournament ended a complete disaster because i just don't hit with my any of my siege bows ever and that's 150 points down the drain but this time 150 points of siege bows has actually done a decent amount of work number one it's brought people to me every single game people have had to come towards me and i've therefore got to choose the fights choose the engagements choose when my heroes get to charge get to go into combat i don't very often i'm not very often in that situation it just doesn't happen because i don't play shooty armies that often but it's pretty good it's pretty good it's uh, pretty useful and these particular uh, weapons although they're you know I, you could argue that say a line of 15 uh, crossbows or something would do infinitely more damage 
the potential of a direct hit on a hero, throwing them back, even just stalling heroes like Azog, like I did in the, uh, a couple of games ago. It's just so good. Like, that potential. And you do get a hit every game. Like, it, it's just it's just going to happen. I mean, the catapults are better. Don't get me wrong. The siege bows are crap in comparison to a catapult. I'd definitely swap three siege bows for a catapult. That'd be ace, having two catapults. That's a, that's a filthy idea. Anyway, I'll come back to that one. Um, so either way, there you go. Look at that. Five wins. Five wins and a loss. I still can't get over it. Uh, really, really proud of myself on this tournament. So um, thank you very much to all of my opponents, Larry, uh, to Pete, um, to Jay, uh, to Camille, to Dan, and to Ali, um, because uh, they put up with me uh, playing some ridiculous nonsense. And I know... I particularly feel for Larry because his list had it was like a filth list. It was so good. Um like Galadriel, Mary, Pippin, Boz, Frodo, Maggot, Holfoot. Like it's just it, 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 like it just should have won. There's just no doubt in my mind it should have won. Um but either way, uh you know, it, it I guess it, it didn't. It didn't. So sorry, Larry. Sorry for gloating one more time. Either way, uh it wasn't me who did win the tournament and I'd love to tell you, I'd love to tell you right now that I got onto the podium. I'd love to say that because that would be like the first ever Entmoot podium. And after 80 episodes, an Entmoot podium would be an incredible achievement and I'd be so happy. But, and this is this is really painful for me to, for me to say it, but there was a three-way tie for tournament points for this list, uh, for this uh, tournament uh, to come third. A three-way tie. So I was one of them. I was one of those people. So I got one of the three people who got exactly the same tournament points. That's, you know, I can't remember. It's five for a win and two for a draw and zero for a loss or whatever it is. Something like that. Um, I was one of those three. One of them was James Goble, who um, I think he... I can't remember exactly how he ranked in the, the GBHL last year, but he was at the Masters. So he's a good player. He plays a lot of... Um, Rivendell and uh, that sort of stuff and in fact he features in Alex Battle Camper Temple's uh, video of this tournament um, I think he's the second game or he certainly or it might be the first game um, either way he gives Alex a good fisting because um, <laughs> Alex has played some real terrible terrible choices in that game of Fog of War against uh, James anyway check that out uh, but anyway James he ended up fourth uh, well done to James in third as if he needs it, he's probably the one person in the league who really doesn't care about uh, a third place finish at a GBHL 100, uh, getting him 90 points in the league. It's Jake Rawson, and I love Jake Rawson, don't get me wrong, he's a lovely fella, uh, and you know he's a great player, there's a reason why he's right at the top of the leaderboard uh, at the time of publishing um, of the Great British Hobbit League. He's got like four or five or something stupid um, GBHL 100 wins. So he's got like hundreds and hundreds of points. He doesn't need the, the 90 points. In fact, I don't think it'll even be one of his highest scores. So uh, that's completely pointless for him. But either way, I was the third one. So I was fifth. I was fifth. And and that's just because the margin of victory wasn't particularly high for some of them. You know, I got a 6-2 win, a 10-3 win, a 5-2 win, a 6-2 win, an 8-0 win. So my wins were mostly sort of by three or four uh, victory points, which is fine. Um, there's a couple of seven uh, plus seven plus eights. But, you know, I, either way, that's... I'm, I'm, look, I, I've gone into this thinking I'm going to lose, like, four out of my six games. I thought I was aiming to do two games where I won stuff and I just hit loads of things and had a good laugh with some siege weapons. 
I, I, I just still can't believe I got five wins and a, uh, and a loss. Still, uh, and congratulations also to Evan Iverson, who came second from the Unexpected podcast. Um, Evan Iverson, uh, in case you don't know, if you're a watcher of the Unexpected podcast, which is probably one of the best competitive um, podcasts out there, um, it's really, really good uh, if you want to listen to it. I mean, Green Dragon's fantastic, but it's just... That's uh, intermittent, I guess it's fair to say. Although there's been some great stuff from Kylie recently with her Green Dragon shorts and her trip around the world. Um, uh, the Unexpected podcast is very consistent, um, regular. It's got a rotating sort of a number of uh, guests uh, and contributors. But Evan and uh, his dad are one of the uh, uh, sort of key members or two of the key members. Um, and Evan is now living in Dublin in Ireland and he is studying there and He's popping over, and he flew over like really early in the morning, and flew back like really late at night, um, in order to play in this event. And he absolutely rinsed everyone. He got a, a, a second place, I think one of his first um, second places in the GBHL. Although he's done well at Articons and stuff like that before, so well done to him. But of course, second place isn't first place. So let's find out who won the tournament. Okay, so it comes to the end now. Uh, unnumbered tears. Final game is done. We've done all the uh, the clapping and all that sort of stuff. And crowned winner, as we've just heard, Mr. Jay Acharya. Congratulations again. Thanks, Harry. It's... Nice to be back on the podium again. Yeah, well, I bet. Yeah, and you, this is this. You're really going for it this year, aren't you? I, I know. I think we mentioned this maybe in a, one of the interviews we've done before about uh, winning things. You, you, you must be really chuffed with another 100-pointer. Oh, massively so. So, obviously, at Imps, I was battling for top spot and obviously lost the final game. So, yeah. top down, I think, sixth or seventh. So, to finally win again two weeks later, yeah, it was great. Oh, fantastic. And so, just tell me, 1,000 points. Obviously, we can talk a little bit about the restrictions and the uh, the stuff. But what, what have you brought, first of all? So, I didn't decide my list until Friday night, actually. It took me two <laughs> weeks, literally, like, shop and change. Ended up going for Galadriel as my leader from Lothlorien. She had a full warband of Lothlorien troops with her, a sentinel. I took Legolas from Mirkwood with a couple of Mirkwood um, uh, elves. Added Gwai here in, and then finally it was Boromir with the banner uh, mounted, obviously, and then 12 Fountain Court, and then two just warriors of Gondor. Now, that's interesting. I've not seen that combination before, Boromir and the uh, and Lothlorien and um, Fandral stuff. So the plan was have a defence seven front line with bodyguard mm-hmm. and then back them up with fight five elves, even though the Fountain Court would be fight five with Boromir anyway, and effectively have an elite line of troops that just doesn't die. Mm-hmm. And hopefully the three heroes, as in Legolas, Boromir and um, Gwai here, can just run around doing their thing Galadriel just protects and just, you know, stop a hero a turn. And hopefully my sort of low model camp, a high defence, high fight army would just outfight other armies. Mm. And I was going to say, how many models have you got? Only 39. Right, so okay. not, yeah, in fact, every game I played, I had lower than all my opponents. But as um, I sort of predicted, I outfought everyone. Mm-hmm. Higher fight all round. Uh, heroes also did the business. Uh, I was only broken in one game. Other than that, relatively comfortable in mm. terms of like the troops just did the thing yeah and of course it's different uh, this tournament we had um, we had the no red or uh, no uh, non-legions uh, le- sorry no red alliances legions were banned and I can't remember there's something else that was banned that changed or was it just that it's probably just, just that, that. Yeah. yeah but that, that does change things you, you don't quite know what's going to come agreed so obviously six scenarios were taken out of the pool as well oh yes that's it yeah and, and because of that there's no contest of champions so that made it really easy to make Galadriel the leader mm-hmm. um, in terms of a new we're not going to get a contest she's pretty survivable had a feeling we'd play quite a lot of uh, other you know casters and um, strong you know heroes of the legend so I think my thinking was take her she's going to be protected no one will ever get to her no one did get to her in the end either and then just try and max out in terms of trying to take as many big things as possible that they have to deal with with their casters and hopefully the troops like I said just mm. grind and 
just do what they do and survive. And in terms of the uh, like the, the, the matchups you had, what did, what sort of stuff did you play? What was the hardest matchup you had? Sure, so I had two matchups where I played Triple Ring Wraith, which there were two Felbeasts in one of them. But again, like I said, because of the scenarios, because I've got three big heroes, again, that they need to target, they can only ever sort of t- try and pin one down. So the mm. other two can you know, kind of do their thing. And like I said, all of their troops were sort of ineffective against mine because of my bodyguard because of my high fight so it basically down to which heroes do better and obviously with a bit of tactical positioning a couple of you know, strike offs and move offs here and there uh, managed to win both of those mm. closest game was probably against Ash Walger because we played Laws of Battle and mm. he had the triple ring with Black Numenorean frontline yeah, back and to with the as well, I think, with yeah. Solodan and Shagrat and actually that came down to on the last turn Boromir killed two trackers and that broke him and going from a draw it went to win for me so I was never going to lose it but it was a matter of could I win uh, but that was a really really close game that was the only game where I broke as well um, mm. every other game in general don't think I lost more than 10 models wow that's, that's, that's really good going with a 39 model I, you know you think I, I would be worried about being trapped and being surrounded but I guess you just know exactly what to do with your heroes like you just, it's just experience to be fair Jake yes yeah, experience form but not only that I think um, I don't know if you've mentioned already on the uh, on your chat about the terrain being quite quite dense as well no some I haven't actually that is, there's some of the boards I've been very very dense and, and in a good way as well in a good way I think the terrain's been great I can't mm. complain at all um, but obviously with bottlenecks and with choke points I think it helps my army more than a horde army in and terms the high of, fight yeah. and the high fight so I sort of just pin in in a hole and they're never going to outfight me and then I can kind of just go on a rampage with my heroes around the flanks and, and, and do what they do best so that obviously helps but again you've got to be able to position well to be able to you know take advantage of scenario and terrain um, I wouldn't say I had any favourable matchups in any of the scenarios but again I think just tactic tactically was able to just position and like I said with a couple of key Rolls going away, which of course you need, you know, any tournament to win. Uh, managed to, yeah. managed to do it. What do you think about the sort of the, the, the banning of legendary legions here? Because obviously it it limits the uh, the sort of special rules and things like that from armies and maybe some of the combinations you think but it also it, it almost frees some people up uh, certainly uh, I know I, I would never have bought three Mordor siege bows well I might have done to be fair but it's certainly a thousand points you think oh okay this is this is very freeing it felt like to me like the old edition Mm. Don't, know if, yeah, don't, know if, yeah. don't know if you agree with that, but obviously back in the old edition we didn't have any of the legendary legions or you know alliances or anything. And I felt like people had taken armies that we used to see back in the day, you know, five six years ago, yeah. and a lot of models and a lot of sort of army lists you wouldn't necessarily see if legendary legions were allowed. Mm. So I think obviously good to see new models, new armies. Um, I think the nice restriction because obviously you don't want every tournament to be the same either in terms of what list building wise yeah. so I think there were a lot of different armies like yours for example plus others that I played against so I think it was a change for the good mm. How would you have fared do you think if you came up against my three siege bows and the catapult because you've got a lot of heroes and, and if I got some good hits on those uh, those fountain courts it could have been uh, that deadly So I'd hope with my blinding light you don't roll a six yeah, and then well. a six again and then I'm, I'm fine but otherwise I think I'm in trouble Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah I, I mean I did do a lot of that to be fair and uh, so I mean congratulations so does this dismiss mean you've got uh, 300 pointer wins in the uh, the thing as well yes I put it into 300 wins and I've got 390s so I'm currently 4th not sure whether it'll put me to 3rd just yet but obviously we need to wait for the rankings to be updated before, before I find that out but irrespective still got another couple of hundreds that I'm going to so hopefully even if it doesn't put me to 3rd going to push on and try, and try and get a podium absolutely well Jay thank you so much for, for talking to me again and, and sharing some insight into that, uh, that the, the, this tournament because it is an interesting one I was, I was thinking oh, I don't really know what's going to uh, happen here so uh, it's great to have a, a, a little bit of as you say a little bit of a unique selling point of the tournament to make it just that little bit more spicy uh, so uh, thank you very much Jay uh, for talking to me on the podcast cheers Harry thank you hopefully we'll talk again Absolutely. <laughs> cheers Harry thank you the wonderful Jay Acharya there um, I, and I realise I've, I've met, spoke to one Jay in this uh, tournament Jay Davidson uh, there's another Jay that everyone gets people mixed up with uh, Jay Clare of course uh, the Middle Earth Rules writer and regular tournament winner although let's be honest not been on the competitive scene much this year he hasn't been to many tournaments I guess he's kind of been there done that kind of vibe um 
But Jay Acharya, absolute legend, wonderful, wonderful person, lovely human being, uh, one of the Gollum's gamers on YouTube, if you're interested in watching that. Um, also, James Gobel is actually as well, I didn't mention that. Um, and he's just, he's so, so generous with his time and so thoughtful and so interesting to talk to. I mean, he it's interesting because he sort of, talks in a way where he says you know I've really tried this year really tried to compete this year and trying to do well and all that sort of stuff and then like he just he's so lovely about it so like he's just he's genuinely uh, generous with his time and really thoughtful about his army building he's clearly a fantastic player I've spoken to him and played against him a few times I don't think I've won a game against him before he's been a brilliant player so he's always added value to the podcast so thank you very much to Jay uh, for winning Unnumbered Tears the Battle of Unnumbered Tears the Thousand Point List so brilliant um Exciting uh, for the the league generally. You heard heard some of the ups and downs there. So um, Jake Rawson is doing well. Jay uh, uh, Jay uh, Acharya sort of very very close to getting on the list um, uh, onto the podium. I think he's just slightly behind Ashley Woolger uh, or Woolger. Um, so in the if you're interested in the league stuff, uh, just head to the GBHL website, uh, which is pinned to the top of the GBHL Facebook page all the time, um, or just Google the GBHL and you'll find the website. There's blogs and stuff that I write. And um, so yeah, anyway, that is all exciting. So all of this stuff, it's probably going to be a very long podcast. So apologies for that, but all of this stuff amounts to the fact that there are just only a couple of months left. Uh, in 2023 there's only a few more events i will be going to some more events and i've also got one in the can already um from uh, a few months ago which i mentioned so i'm i'm i don't know whether i'm going to try and compete i really don't know but i kind of want to help my team um do well i kind of want to see whether i can do uh, well but i think the remaining events that i'm likely to go to are flufftastic so uh, this is definitely going to be my best performance of the year maybe ever but we'll see. I guess it's only only time will tell. So, Entmoot will return. But thanks for listening in the meantime. Boorah rum. <laughs>